Hello, and welcome to Mechjospective, the mecha podcast where we cover everything from Astro Boy to Mazinger Z. I'm Tooch. I'm Devin, and here we are. We're back. This is our first time doing a Tomino joint since our very first episode. Oh, it feels good to be back in this bitter old man's embrace. Yes, uh, my, my favorite complicated man. Like all great artists who are deeply flawed, and I love Hideo. All of your faves are (laughs) incredibly complicated men. (laughs) I mean, just, that's, it means, like, I don't know, like, if if somebody's entirely, perfectly unproblematic, it's like, that that means that their life is too easy. Well, well, one, it, like, either means that their life's too easy, more likely it means that, like, they have good enough PR and make safe enough content to where that them and their audience never has to reckon with whatever their problematic takes are because they can go their whole career without ever voicing them. And what's the value in that? Uh, a lot of people on Twitter would say that that's somehow absolutely necessary to doing anything in life, and they're all, like, 22, so... And Tomino, I think, just turned 80, so... Uh, yeah. And how many, and how many Japanese cultural touchstones has he created? Most of them. Yeah, uh, so we're talking about Space Runaway Ideon. That, um, this is the show that Tomino made directly after Gundam and served as one of the major inspirations for Evangelion. The other two main factors of Evangelion being Devilman and Ultraman. Yeah, I, uh, and you know what? Like, when you told me, like, oh, this, this inspired Evangelion, and like, and, like, I already know not a lot, but I know some key things about how it ends, and... I was like, okay, I'm I'm ready to see this through until the end, until I see the Evangelion parallels. And then I got we got to the last episode of this recording session. Episode fourteen is so good. And out of out of nowhere, I was bowled over. Uh, we're gonna be right up front with you. Edeon has a reputation, and I was doing some research on Edeon, trying to get other people's takes on Edeon. And my God, I I, I felt like I'm reading about Evangelion again. Because any time I go on the internet and try to read about Evangelion, my blood pressure starts rising because nobody knows how to discuss Evangelion. Yeah. And nobody knows how to discuss Edeon. This show has a high body count, and Tomino's known for that. If I had to rate Tomino's shows, like, the top three most genocidal Tomino shows from the bottom to the top, it would be, like, Victory Gundam, Dunbine, and Edeon are, like, the most genocidal, and that's... That that's not too much of a spoiler. That's all. That's like that's if you know anything about Edeon, you know that pretty much the show has a high body count. And most people love to meme about that, kill them all, Tomino, and that's fine. But it's like there's way more to this show than just Tomino wants to kill all of his characters. Like there really, there really is, and honestly, like okay, I I, I think this show really does suffer from a rough start. The, show's the stu- first eight or so episodes are pretty rough. 
they're rough and not, not even necessarily and like not in necessarily a traditional way where like a lot of older animes can be rough like older animes can be rough but in my experience they're usually pretty followable but that's mostly because they're all pretty simple and this is Tomino trying to make the simple super robot premise a little more real and so I think some stuff the, the, the aesthetics and the tone and the pacing clash with T Tomino's, what would eventually become Tomino's bread and butter, which is Real Robot, which T Tomino was in the middle of inventing. So there are some yeah, growing Gundam pains had, here. Gundam had got canceled. Um, as for the, we're going to be talking about Gundam a lot, specifically Gundam 0079. I which think it's, is, it's, it's necessary. <laughs> for those not in the know about Gundam, we'll try to give as much context as possible if you haven't seen 0079 or know nothing about Gundam, which is... If you're listening to this podcast, how is that possible? Well, then again, you could also just be interested in Mecha and and but not really know much, and that's fine. Maybe so you like maybe context. maybe you have some weeb friend and they tried to show you Edeon and just pitched it really bad, and you just like you just wanted to be anywhere else but in their fucking basement that night. I get it. I've been there. Don't worry, Devin, not with you. <laughs> or uh, maybe you're a big fan of Evangelion and you've heard that this is one of the inspirations for it, and so here just some extra context. I definitely could see Ano being inspired by Tomino a lot. Tomino is very influential. This show is interesting, and it's it's kind of an, a pivot point for anime as a whole and Tomino's style going forward. Yes. Uh, this is this is even though this was made in 1980, going into 81, this still feels like a 70s anime. But it feels like a like it. it in the way that 0079 is, I feel that anything that comes after Ideon could technically, like, I think of, like, Macross as, like, the first, like, 80s mecha series. Yeah. Yeah, that, like, that fit. Macross especially, I mean, I've barely seen it, but from what I know about it, Macross, Macross is a good, like, pinpoint on the era, like, to start And, like, it. Votoms being coming out a year after, like, as we just spent a whole month talking about nothing but Votoms, but, uh... Well, we talked about Getter and other shit in between, but we, we just got off of our Votoms arc, and Votoms very much firmly feels like an 80s series. Not not even just talking aesthetics. I would say I would say that Votoms has more aesthetically in common with a 70s series than an 80s series, but just the way it's done, the way it's told, the way the pacing works, it felt way more 80s, which yes. is a lot closer. Like, the gap between an 80s and 90s manga anime in terms of like pacing and structure is is a lot the the gap is a lot smaller than how big of the gap between 70s and 80s anime i would agree like come to like to at this point tooch when Edeon is airing mecha as a as a whole like the super robot genre is only eight years old mazinger z came out in 1972 this was this was 80 it was only eight years old damn that honestly like now that you say that and really put that into perspective, because, you know, like, we've all been thinking of, of time and how it passes a great deal. We're in a new decade. We're in the roaring, we're in the roaring 20s, too. Yeah. Heavy scare quotes, hopefully less racist. Um, and eight years. I'm glad you said that. You, that's how I can know you're a better person than me, because in my head I said, hopefully more financially stable. <laughs> <laughs> I but mean, yes, hopefully less racist. Less, less, um, but... Uh, eight years is... Th thinking about going from Mazinger Z to Ideon in eight years, these people were thirsty 
to develop to develop and further and evolve this genre. People got people saw that fucking big robot with the boy on the motorcycle on its fucking head and went, "I need to take this as far as it can possibly go." Yeah, I mean, here to put that even into further context, three years after Edeon, we get Votoms. Damn. Like that. How come they're so good at that? <laughs> I do, well, there's a lot. There's a lot of mecha we don't remember. That's a thing. There's how come when every do. time? How come when every time, by and large, Western television makes a successful TV show, we just make literally the same exact thing for eight years? Um, I I don't know. Japanese work ethic. Well, lately that's been bad for the anime industry, but that's a different podcast. I mean, that also is a, has a ton of problems <laughs> in itself. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of documents that I'm going to go through. Um, I like when they do, when the salarymen do the morning stretches on the roof. I think we should do that more. That's we fun. should do that. I have um, some pages open because I, I, I got some cast and crew I want to go through. This is a star-studded voice cast. Is it? I didn't even think. Just because everybody's performances were so constrained by apps by the script requiring them to just be the worst shitheads. <laughs> yes, uh, half the cast, well, more than half the cast is coming back from 0079, and more mm. than half the staff is. Because the show went into production. Okay, this is I'm gonna I'm gonna do a quick Google for everybody on live on air. This um, it started airing May 1980. When did Gundam 0079 stop airing? Probably just before that. March. Uh, wait, no, that was the movie. Uh, uh, let's see, let's see. Original run, January 1980. Damn. So in and the course And then Tomino was immediately yeah. like, hey, you know those GMs you've been drawing? <laughs> You're about to draw a way different one. <laughs> to put it as bluntly as possible, Ideon is, is the story of a gigantic GM that beats up a ton of mass-produced big exams. This is Federation propaganda. God, you're right. So, um, once again, to put into context for how important Gundam is to the mecha genre, I also got to kind of talk about Yoshiki Tomino, my, my favorite problematic director who wants to talk about the thickness of his character's pussies. Oh, God. Forgot um, about that one. But uh, he's old. And uh, another controversial figure on the on the payroll of this show is Koichi Sugiyama, who I kept calling Kenichi Sugiyama, but uh, Koichi Sugiyama, Japanese war crime denier, LGBT hater, and overall terrible person who's probably going to be dead soon. Can't um, wait. He did the score, which is pretty pretty good, and I I, I feel bad saying that. Like it, it, I don't believe in objectivity, but it is a good score for Ideon. Yeah, I understand why it's a memorable score. He's I also eighty nine, and is, that's not an thing. excuse. Yeah, no, th I mean, and this is the thing, this is the thing that I always come back to whenever we talk about, like, famous slash infamous artists and creators, y it turns out, again, much to the chagrin of a lot of modern social media, you can be talented, and st you can be extremely talented at a particular artistic endeavor, or, or like, not artistic, any, you can be talented at literally anything, and also be an almost objectively evil person by anyone's standards. <laughs> Yeah, um, which is actually really funny because the way I, I interpret this show and a lot of Tomino's work is really hating the the ultra conservative part of the Japanese of Japanese society, mm -hmm. and I can very much see the Buff Clan being almost like a caricature of them. Mm -hmm. 
which is that, oh that's that's almost they Devin they call themselves samurai like <laughs> but another thing I want to pull out is uh, this is the character designer for this is not Yoshikazu Yasuhiko who did, who is the character designer for Mobile Suit Gundam and later, later Zeta. He probably uh, would have came, he probably would have come up with a better hairstyle for Cosmo. Probably. But uh it's Kogawa Tomonori, uh, who would actually go on to collaborate with he does key animation on a ton of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like e- Evangelion a lot. He is he is a, one of the character designers for uh Ginga Eu Densetsu, also known as the Galactic Legend of the Galactic Heroes. Oh. Um, but he collaborate. He did the character designs and was a lead animation director on El- Heavy Metal Elgheim, on Zabungle, um, yeah. Dunbine, and um, yeah. Oh, he did Tekkaman Blade as well. That's cool. Oh, nice. But but so and, which uh, say, so this is one of Tomino's boys. Yeah, he essentially one of the lads. In but he worked with on pretty much every Tomino project from in between 0079 and Zeta. Because then after was he on, D- Zeta, was he Tomino Garzi's wing. No, <laughs> he's not on Garzi's wing. He is on Dunbine though. We'll talk about Garzi's wing when we get to Dunbine. But uh, he he's done a lot. Uh, but I'd say he, this is this this he starts collaborating with a lot of people now that he's if he wasn't already collaborating with them in 0079, he starts collaborating with them on Edeon hmm. before this is like one of his boys. Um, so. Let, do you want to go? Let's go through the characters, mm-hmm. uh, or at least the crew of the solo ship and the big members of the Buff Clan who matter. Because yeah. I wanted to, to present my first question to you, because this this was knocking around my head since I first started the show. Is who do you consider more of the main character, Bess or Cosmo? God, honestly, like. I, I was honestly thinking about this towards the later half of 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 our of this ep, of this of this like arc. Um, to uh, clarify, we are what we are covering in this episode, episodes one through fourteen. Yes, um, I was thinking about that l- less in terms of I wonder who the main character is, and more in terms of like this. It feels like, it, and I don't know if there's a specific example of this type of show existing, but shows that play with genre do this sort of thing all the time where I would believe I would I would love to either make my own take or read a critique of Ideon as like uh a de- like a story a story about a mech pilot protagonist shonen type show but your audience perspective isn't on the protagonist it is a step back like Cosmo Cosmo absolutely serves the function of a shonen protagonist pilot, but us He's as in the, the opening, for God's sake. Us as the viewer rarely actually get we we don't we just objectively don't spend the same the same amount of time or or the same kind of moments that with Cosmo that we do with Amuro. I think they're serving the same role in their greater world that is beyond them, but I think this show this show is much more interested in the ensemble and showing you yeah, the like, ship. You all, you haven't seen the whole Gundam 0079 show, only the films, and we will. Don't worry, we are going to get back to 0079 because right. it is very important. I feel like it is important we do cover the show itself. Uh, but in in the movies, more specifically, it's a lot more intimately just focused on like Amor on the core bridge yes. crew of the White Base. But like even this... like even like the first episode of the anime, which I assume is a lot like the opening of the film. Like, we're introduced to Amuro, Amuro alone, and like the the whole arc of that episode is 
Amuro reacting to everything, Amuro discovering the Gundam, Amuro this, Amuro that. Amuro getting on the white base and then fighting Char uh, in the space around Side 7. If Cosmo's name wasn't Cosmo, I probably wouldn't have remembered his name after the first episode. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So, before, actually, before we go into the characters, just to nail two things out of the way... Uh, since this is a super robot show, I don't know if I'd designate this full hybrid, but it's it firmly has one of its massive shoulder pylons grazing against that line of being the first hybrid show. It, it's yeah, it's 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 definitely one of those transitionary. The tone is shows. weird. It's, the tone is weird, and I think it's intentional. It's a high. It's a hybrid show before that's a known quantity, right? Yeah. Again, like Tomino. I think that's I think that's Tomino's whole career and why all of like most of his shows either don't land or they, or they land indecisively like like half of like half if not all of his Gundam of his Gundam series is after the first one people are split on because yeah. he, I think he is he is always first and foremost way more interested in what hasn't been done before. Yeah. Like uh Tomino's also very conscious of what he wants to say with his work for better or for worse usually for better for worse oh brain powered (laughs) but um tomino usually is very concise about what he wants to say and like gundam was made in response to space battleship yamato he thought being too patriotic Mm -hmm. or too unquestioningly patriotic right which very much and then you can see that in 0079 nationalism and patriotism is what perpetuates the one-year war it's like i just mentioned tomino just watching the fucking the ship rise out of the ground and launch into space and he's just going like but this country fucking sucks (laughs) you're not wrong (laughs) i mean all of tomino's work is all about how like i think that's why tomino particularly works in anime is because he believes that like children and young people are like my generation is fucked and and ruined everything please don't be like us yeah. That's why, like, it's always about young teenagers and young adults rebelling against the older, oppressive ruling class. That's, like, that's all Zeta is. He, yeah, tell me, you will never, like, you you will be hard-pressed to find a more anti-boomer boomer, specifically in the anime scene, than, than Yoshiki Tomino. Yeah, no, like, every, so, time, every time I think I meet a self-hating boomer, it's just a jaded Gen Xer with, like, bad takes. Like, uh, and th- and once again, like, Tomino is, like, I would say Tomino's work is considerably more woke than a lot of contemporary 80s anime, but, like, he's also an 80-year-old man right now, so that's, so take that, take stuff he says with a grain yeah, of... Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely all relative. Like, everything is relative, like, and, and honestly, I personally am always... I try the I personally in my in my vernacular try to use the word woke as little as possible just because yeah. the entire social media scene like even when they have good intentions whenever there's like a word that becomes buzzworthy even if people on the social media spaces like it they usually end up just memeing it so fucking hard that it loses I mean, that's, all of its fucking Dude, that's literally everything. That's even insults. Like, cuck has been so abstracted past its own original dictionary meaning. Mm-hmm. And, I like, mean, now, I, I mean, mean, honestly, like, I mean, and maybe this Boomer just... Boomer is getting to that point where that has lost all meaning. Yeah, it's just like... basically, if you're, like, if you're, like, over 25, you can get called a boomer. <laughs> and, like, that's... And I know that's this 4chan and the internet, and I'm now... And I'm a boomer for complaining about this. Um, yeah, but basically, like, we're, like... We're, every, I think, I think everybody... 
everybody agrees that words don't have any intrinsic meaning, but like nobody wants to take the next step and realize we have to communally all agree on a meaning together. Yeah. Well, I mean, hey, if, if the invisible is correct, language is just, the English language is just a spell put on all of us to limit our forms of expression. I honestly have been considering, like, have you ever played Super Mario uh, Odyssey? Yeah. Do you, I did. Do, you, do, you, do you know how in the dialogue they'll just replace character names with, with emojis of them? Yes. I want that to happen to language. I want to um, just send somebody. I want to just send somebody emojis peppered with articles, and they got it. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, I think that's the future of language. Honestly, is Are, that language is going to get further and further abstracted? And that oh might wait, be a dude, good thing. we're just evo- we're just we're just reverting back to hieroglyphs. Yeah. How cool is that? Or glyphs, or whatever the most common jargon is. I know there's like there's like differences between various kinds of glyph writing and like different names and like what is and isn't. We're an not alphabet. archaeologists, but Cheryl is. Cheryl can f- fucking suck my dick. <laughs> so, um, th- so what do you think of the opening? Because I think Fukatsu no Iraon is a pretty good song, which means resurrection of Iraon. The lyrics are intense. Oh yeah, no. This this made me consider. It's like how like like it's you know because when it's better than Moe Gundam. Yeah, that's what I was. That's what I was literally about to say. It's like okay, like I can yeah. Gundam was such a trailblazer. I can totally see like them not being able to like explain or get approved uh, a, a type of opening they would want. Like I, I can just picture Tomino trying to pitch like what he wanted it i don't know how the opening process works i don't know how what channels you go through with with whoever you get to compose it but freaking... i think tomino himself i think Tom, like usually the director will direct the the openings themselves like i okay. love all the tomino openings and they feel distinctly tomino right um and so like i can picture him like especially like this is like gundam's his first big thing and it's like such so different i can picture him trying to explain it to the composer and the dude's just like Okay, but this is a super robot show, so it's about like how big the robot can punch, right? <laughs> and Tomino just like lights a cigarette. Um, yes. But so, I think, but I think this time he got it. He nailed it. This is good. A did. good fucking opening. This is a solid opening, despite the fact that Bess only shows up once in it, and Cosmo's all over it. Um. Oh, I was honestly speaking more toward the lyrical content. Oh, totally. I'm also. I'm just. I'm, I was talking even more in general. Uh, the opening is very good, and it nails it even more, uh, tone, especially, say, especially compare it to 0079, um, just nails the tone of Iraeon. Yeah, the, the and, d- uh, 0079's opening is, like, fucking comparable to Getter, like... <laughs> it, it is, because I just, it's comparable to something like Zambot 3. Yeah. Because, for context, Tomino's been in the anime game since, like, he was, like, he's already been in it, he's already an industry veteran by the time that Iraeon's rolling out. He's literally, I mean, he worked on Astro Boy, didn't he? He did. He, that was the, and Miyazaki. that was arguably there was some there was some televised animation happening here and there, but Astro Boy was the first anime as we understand it as modern audiences, absolutely. And, and Tomino was there. Yeah, crammed Tomino, that... in fucking cram. He, God, because I'm just picturing. I think I mentioned on a previous episode that I read like Tezuka's auto, like not auto Tezuka's biography that they published shortly after his death, and like it shows when he finally earned like saved up enough money and got and got like a deal with with 
sponsors and whatnot for to 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 produce Astro Boy, he like rented out like just like a large apartment space and just like crammed his whole staff in there and they're all just like trying desperately to like animate one episode a week with barely any kind of buffer and I just pictured fucking young Tomino in that mess. Yeah, he was in the trenches like that and then he started directing other um, Tezuka adaptations like uh, specifically Triton of the Sea. Mm-hmm. I hear about that and, one a lot. There's fucking. I mean, I, there's a lot. There's too many. Well, there's so. There's so many Tezuka manga. We don't know all of it because that's just how archi- That's just how archiving was back then. It wasn't. And I mean, like, yeah, that was uh, manga. Just like comic books at the time, we were talking like early '60s. We're just seen as ephemera. Yeah, which is why they're so valuable. Because because they would just like they would just churn churn them out. Like I mean, they they at the time they were monthly, so I think by the time they got to more weekly issues, there was probably a little bit better of like a, at least if not conserving the comics themselves, because it isn't even just a matter of conserving the comics themselves. We don't even necessarily have a lot of credit records. Like we don't like there's no list. Like there there's yeah. like Tommy like uh, Tessica didn't keep like a resume. He just drew. He just. He just eat, slept, and drew, and he mostly did the third one the most. <laughs> and neglected um, his family. Yeah, no, he literally just would have editors pounding at his door to try and get the pages that were due. And, like, the the biography, like, again, written almost immediately after his death and painted and painted everything in a very nice, like, fun light it would just be like oh yeah that that cheeky tezuka he's like taking it like sneaking out the back door to avoid his editors and i'm like this was probably realistically a fucking stressful anxiety induced situation he was in every day of his life but no it's oh yeah it's fun (laughs) so so back to tomino um he got his start in the mecha genre kind of during the mid 70s mecha boom like massacre and getter kind of started the boom and then around 74 75 is when we start seeing when people start seeing the jumbo machine to start selling really well and it starts becoming like how can we market a toy through a tv show yeah kind of which we found which the which took which americans started doing 10 years later yeah yeah sometimes with their like products because <laughs> like um in the mid 70s you got the robot the ro- uh, robot romance trilogy which is like Combattler V Volts 5 I, one of them is V one of them is 5 and then Dimos I don't remember which is which that's fucking is infuriating com- that one of them is V and that one of them is 5 I didn't know that and I hate it <laughs> yeah it's I think it's Combattler V and Volts 5 because Ichiro Mizuki goes V V V victory combine oh. 1 2 3 <laughs> and then um, I think it's Volts 5 and Combattler V I think so and then, uh, want me also blow your mind? Like, the fact that Go Lion came out a whole two years after Edeon. That's wild. Because Go Lion is more of a throwback to this, to that era, to like the robot ro- romance trilogy of like a big eight part combiner with like a ton of wacky characters. And that, that kind of was like, uh, Go Lion was a bit of a throwback, which is why it wasn't really popular at all. Yeah. Because that aired alongside fucking Macross, so it's like. <laughs> Oof. But, uh, yeah, so, Ideon comes out, so to- the first show that Tomino breaks into Mecha with is Brave Riding in that era, and Riding's weird, he directed the first half of the show and didn't really have any creative input, 
It was kind of more like, this is what you're assigned. Yeah. And then after that, we got Zam... Which is why I consider Zambot 3 to be the first Tomino joint. Where Zambot 3 is a combiner robot toy commercial, essentially. But Tomino's like, let's actually take this show seriously. And I brought up Zambot extensively on the um, Symbionic Titan episode. But just to briefly recap, the plot of Zambot was three aliens escape their ruined home planet... Uh, that was conquered by another alien race. They look just like humans, and they land in Japan with their final with the, with the, with a ship that looks kind of like the Solo ship, and their 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 species' final legacy, the Zambot Three. The aliens track them down to Earth, and then typical Monster of the Week stuff happens. Where yeah. the show differs is the fact that Mazinger Z could punch a hole through a building and no, no one bats an eye, but in Zambot Three, they Tomino decided to take that seriously. What are the repercussions? of a giant robot fighting a, a monster of some kind in a city. And, and so nobody likes Zambot 3. Everybody's like, fuck you, Zambot 3. Even though you saved us, the only reason you had to is because you're here. Like, And so that was kind of... And that's very Tomino. And then from there, he made, he dabbled again with, like, you know... Dytarn 3 was way more comedic and light in tone, but then after that, it's immediately smashed up to Gundam. Which then invents the real robot genre, making it a dramatic war story, humanizing both sides of the conflict. Despite the fact that Zeon are definitely the bad guys, the Federation aren't perfect and are far from being the good guys. And they go out of their way to humanize Garma and Dazzle especially, and like... A lot of random Zeon pilots are shown to be like, these are all people with families on both sides. Yeah. The war itself is the main villain of Gundam. Yeah. Everybody's just trying to survive. It's, uh, th and that, like, that that has never stopped being something, that has never stopped being a story that needs to be told. <laughs> and Ideon, I feel, is, now we're finally back to Ideon, is Tomino kind of cranking that dial even further to almost complete exaggeration. And not in the way that's like, oh, I can't take this seriously, because you definitely can. It's just, I feel that Something about Ideon is very angry. I think this is one of Tomino's angriest shows. Yeah, everybody's everybody's fucking pissed all the time. Every and it's it reminds me of a conversation we had at the end of Votoms, not to spoil Votoms for those who are watching this, but there's a part, part towards the end where two in like the final episode where two characters just have a very concise direct conversation and avoid a ton of problems that other writing sh that other shows writing would have, you know, been plagued with. Just, the entire conflict hinges on the fact that two characters can't just sit down and have a conversation. That is this entire show. Yeah, this is gonna be presumably and that's the all 39 episodes in both movies, but, yeah, but and that is the point. That's the point in such a more profound and purposeful way, because it's, it's not generally the point in other things. Usually the only reason a lack of communication is implemented is because they need a specific conflict to arise so they can do so they can find some other cool action-packed wow cool robot way to solve it. Um, and so they're just like, well, these two just don't have the conversation or they, they miss it or they just get too mad at each other cuz I don't know, one of them's a woman and they're emotional or one of them's a, a mech pilot and he's emotional and fucking, Yeah. Shut up. Uh, just to write break, better just because I'm think just because I'm thinking about it. We also got um, 
There's two mech designers. One of them is is credited only under the pen name Submarine, and the other is our good old boy Ken, uh, Kunio Okawara. And you can very much tell the uh, the Ideon is a very Okawara. There's a lot of Okawara designs in this. Oh yeah, for sure. It bleeds his style, um, especially the Ideon itself. Right, and specifically, like just go or like uh, some of his some of his hits. If this is people's first time they've heard of him. Uh yeah, if this is your first time hearing about Kunio Okawara, he's done pretty much a good 70% of the most of all the different famous mecha franchises. He designed the original Gundam. He's always he's been a part of almost every Gundam project since. Uh he's done SPT Lasner, he did Votoms. He did this. He got he did I think Daitarn 3 and Zambot 3 as well. So he's been done a crap load of Tomino work too. Yeah. Uh, guy, the guy's been around. He's still, and he still works today. He even worked on Galgayar. Yes, he did. So he's a very, very big player, and it's it's funny. I asked my friend recently watched 0079 and watched through some some uh, bonus features of Tomino, and apparently Tomino fucking hated all of Okawara's designs for 0079. We just had to go with it. Wow, dragged. Tomino. I, well, Tomino wanted the Gundam to be like featureless and gray oh. and look like a machine of war. Yeah, but I, I I feel like that I feel like no matter what artist he got for the show, somebody at Sunrise would have been like, "Yeah, you got to nah. make it fucking colorful so that we can fucking sell this thing." So, the, the we're going to go through the characters before we go through the plot, but the basic sum premise of this show is that deep out in deep deep space in the way future. This is like more future than this is more, like, pulpy sci-fi than it is, like, Gundam, kind of slightly more grounded sci-fi. Yeah, definitely. They have Star Wars Warp Drive, and there's a, a ton of Earth colonists on this planet called, um, Solo. And from, they don't really outright say this, but what I've gleaned from the show is that they are pretty much as far away from Earth as you can get, is planet Solo. And I'm, and it seems to be the site of uh, archaeological digs for the sixth civilization. So, they've human has humanity has not made first contact, but they found remnants of at least six different alien races. So I'm, I'm assuming that everybody that lived on Solo was part of these, either you know this fledg part of a fledgling colony, frontiersmen, or were a part of the ex of the like you know the excavations or the archaeological digs. Uh, so, because of a series of, uh, bad choices, and, um, of, of bad choice, just because of a series of bad choices and misinformation. A series uh, of unfortunate events, some might say. A, a very, a series of very unfortunate events. Um, a forward party for the alien race, the Buff Clan, who are essentially human, but with crazier hair colors. And even then, it doesn't really. Yeah. They have they have weird antenna helmets. They they are very much seventies anime bad guys. Every but they are... every man has a bowl cut, and their military garb just looks like they're part of fucking Shanana. <laughs> yeah, they 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 are about as seventies mecha anime as you. They're as seventies sci-fi anime as you can get. They look like it's like that one freaking some german program or some 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 foreign program that 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 mark hamill was on in the 70s back when you could do weird foreign shit and nobody would see it and he was in some like gold fucking sparkly ass outfit or some shit like i'm talking like we're th this is it's very 70s sci-fi just in general 
bottoms, and... belts, necks, veed. So, um, the archaeological dig found these three gigantic vehicles that can turn, and uh, they essentially restored them and made them operational again. And all three combined into Ideon to defend the the uh, planet Solo initially uh, from a, bu- a buff clan invasion. And uh, the entire planet is destroyed, and well, not destroyed, but the entire colony is destroyed. Aside from you know probably less than a fourth of of the survivors huddle up in another part of the expedition of the archaeological dig, which housed a giant spaceship that they are now running away from constant attacks of the Buff Clan. Uh, and you and you might be asking, and you might be asking, well, wh- why did the Buff Clan? Why did the Buff Clan, like, attack in the first place? Did they attack first? Who was the aggressor here? And to that I say, that's a great fucking question. <laughs> Can we talk it's about like that? A real co- it's almost like a real conflict. <laughs> it's like it's like that moment in Votoms on Quent when you said, like, this is just how the United States does foreign dipl- foreign policy. So, like, I, I, I think... You went off on the Schmetal Twins? D- d- yes, d- definitely, I think, and I, I don't want to necessarily blame her but i feel like one of the biggest things one of the biggest monkey wrenches that caused the whole debacle that absolutely prevented them from just being like oh hey let's make contact and just kind of read the room uh was karala just kind of bebopping in there just assuming that everything's going to be chill and that she doesn't yeah. she that she isn't a fucking what is she like a princess or she's she's the daughter of like the supreme military ruler like not the her dad is the shogun but not the emperor yeah so she's like a she's like an important socio-political figure and she's just like i'm just a normal girl i'm gonna go see what these aliens are all about what's the buff clan i'm not from there and it's like the buff clan's like the the princess is fucking missing holy shit so we're going to go through the characters real quick, and then we're going to go in deep into the summary, go into the meat and potatoes of this episode. Um, I got a lot of notes, because a lot happens in 8 on, like fucking a lot. Yeah. So I got two different notes. Uh, so in order, let's start with Bess, because I think he's more the main character than Cosmo is. He... Bess Jordan. He definitely is the most sympathetic. He he feels the most like a Gundam character. And I feel like, and I feel like so far we've gotten the most screen we've gotten the most like audience perspective through his point of view i, I feel like Jordan. most episodes are framed sympathetic to bess and karala uh he's voiced by hideyoki tanaka who has not been a part of any big mecha franchise of sensei dayan but he's also he has is he's been in the business forever he's terry man he is in kanika man he also voices um he also voices the main character of police knots Ooh. Who is uh, anime Mel Gibson? <laughs> because uh, Police Knots is just cyberpunk uh, lethal weapon. He's also the cute like I I I don't go here, but in Cardcaptor Sakura, he's uh, Kinomoto in Cardcaptor Sakura, and he's the cute older boy uh, in that anime who's Sakura's older brother gets shipped with a lot because they're best friends and it's a shoujo, so they're super gay. Yeah. Someone uh, out Bess? there. Oh, he, God, he's Del Flamingo in One Piece. Shut the fuck oh, up. Oh, no. Uh, Bess is 
my friend described Bess in a very great way, and it made me laugh my ass off, where he described Bess as uh, if Bright was a Chad. <laughs> <laughs> Referring to Bright Noah from Gundam, from the Gundam franchise. Um, he He's very much like action Bright. Yeah, he's Bright with karate chop action. Um, he's, he's Bright, but with a lightsaber. He... He is... I think he is what... At the very least, at first, like when when everything on the white base first kicks off, I think Bright is attempting his best best, and it's but not I working. Like, I because like once again, people forget that Bright is only like twenty two in 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 Gundam. Like he was in, uh, like an he was like a, a petty officer, and he was like the only person survivor with military experience on the white base, which is why he just defaultly became captain. Yeah. I'm older than Bright was in the one-year war. I feel like Bess is about the age Bright is around, like, Zeta or Char's counterattack, where he is now, like, a near-decade-long veteran mm-hmm. who's been around. He, so if, if if Char's counterattack era Bright was in the one-year war, God. you'd get something closer to Bess. And Bess is, I feel, unlike a lot of the other characters, his priority is not, let's kill the buff clan, it's, I just want to get everybody out of here alive. Yeah, like, I, he, he's so, like, that's the thing, he's, he's so fucking frustrated with everybody, but everyone else is being so fucking mad, he is- Everyone else is being fucking frustrating! He's, it, it almost deflate, it almost deflates him in a way, I feel like, he's like, well, everybody else is already fucking hollering, I guess I, I need to be the fucking voice of reason, otherwise nothing's gonna fucking get done. And he and he's tries like- so hard. There, there's that scene, I think it's either episode 12 or 13, where he just beats the shit out of Cosmo in the elevator, and that was great. Yeah, no, I, I, I think Cosmo started it. Cosmo did, because Cosmo's a fucking shithead. Cosmo, Cosmo, look, Cosmo looked at this adult war veteran and was like, I'm gonna beat the shit out of him, and Bess was just like, what are you doing? No, you're not, you idiot. And then, and then the door opens, and they're both, like, embarrassed. I, I, Bess is very good, and I'd say he's the closest thing this show has to, like, a hero. Yeah, there's, there's so many, it's not even, like, ugh, there's just so many moments where he's, like, this is, it's, (laughs) Bess is, like, Bess is one of those lawyers on Twitter who has to constantly deal with randos trying to explain the law to him. Bess is yes. just like Bess is like uh actually like it's actually extremely illegal that the president did this and everyone on Twitter is just like prove it and he's like I can and they're like nah you're probably lying and it's like I don't want to read that <laughs> but like all of these ch- literal children literal children are hollering and screaming children and scientists and random civilians are like we should do this military action and Bess is like I'm literally in the military I need to explain to you why we shouldn't and they're all like nah and he's like (laughs) yeah that's that's Bess I like Bess a lot um so next we have Cosmo Cosmo is voiced by uh Yoku Shioya and he is not really been in much. Uh, I'd say I think Ideon might be, Cosmo might be his biggest credit. Uh, yeah. Cosmo, to, to explain, I, I said this a little bit before the show, but there was somebody I, I used to be friends with who I got to watch Gundam, and they could not, they hated Amuro. Like, they liked Gundam, but they hated Amuro and could not understand why Amuro was a reluctant protagonist at all. Like, they blew up his home. Like, why doesn't he just kill these guys? Why doesn't he just go with this? 
like he could not fathom the fact that Amuro just did not fuck with the war at all. Um, and it made me realize how important Amuro's reluctance as a protagonist is is so important to Gundam because otherwise you get fucking Cosmo. Yeah. Also, uh, one one notable role he did do uh, before uh, before Ideon was a uh, Jinpei the Swallow in Gachiman. Oh, a little bird boy. Hell yeah. Uh, so Cosmo doesn't have as much personality as Amuro. I'm gonna who we're gonna directly compare him to. Mm-hmm. He, I, I always would jokingly refer to him as Afuro because <laughs> if you uh, if you replace the Mu katakana with Fu, you get Afro. That's also how you spell Afro. Yeah. Oh, he's apparently like he's apparently Zapelli in in the JoJo anime. I'd say that's is probably his most recent big credit was being Zapelli the first. Yeah. That's a good one. It's um, got range. I wouldn't have guessed. Um, Cosmo's very mad. Cosmo's I angry. feel like he ha- he doesn't really get any character moments outside of being mad until the 14th episode. And and his character moment is, I'm madder than I've ever been. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he gets so mad. He's... He gets so mad, and for the first 13 episodes, it's definitely to his detriment, and then the 14th episode is, I'm gonna get so mad that it's gonna become textual, and you're gonna have to reckon with how mad I am. Because <laughs> I want to see more about Cosmo, but there just isn't that much. He seems, he just, he just wants to kill the Buff Clan. I mean, sure, they killed his family, and it blew up his home. Like, that's, that's, that's valid. I get why you're mad. It's just, that's his soul-defining character trait. Cosmo is, Cosmo is one of the several characters who, every single time a skirmish ends and the surviving buff clan retreat, he is one of the several people who's always like, we have to go after them. Fuck going back and, fuck, like, regrouping and checking on survivors and fixing what they damaged. We need to keep fighting until they're all dead. And, and fucking Bess is like, please don't do that Bess is I think in the back of his head he's like you guys are so glad I'm not like a despotic military leader because I would have started shooting people on the bridge to, to, to just secure dominance yeah um I, I think you can summarize Cosmo just by his repeated catchphrase which is just damn you buff clan <laughs> at the end of every military conflict with the buff at the end of every fight with the buff clan he sits there with the mad behind the cock in the cockpit of the Ideon and he's just like damn you buff clan that's his entire catchphrase it's great it's, it's just fucking uh shit what's her name uh it's just haruhi from Oran host club but replace rich people with buff clan <laughs> <laughs> uh next we got kasha uh, she, I, I joke in my notes, I jokingly referred to her as a proto Asuka. A little, a little bit. It's not, ent- I wouldn't entirely call her proto Asuka, but I could may- I could maybe see this is where Ano started getting ideas. Or I, at least he was like, let's take the template of Kasha and do something more interesting with it. I, I do see it because she is, she is honestly interesting, especially for the time because like. Definitely. Even, even 0079 very much you know leaned on you know oh this main character who's a girl like that has to be their whole shtick like even if they do stuff sometimes and they have more to them are like on screen 99 percent of the time they're just being a girl um and that was like a lot of the cast of the white base and that's like one of the i don't think it's 
there's so much other stuff going on in in 0079 you can look past it but it's definitely one of the things that's lacking about 0079 is well speaking of ladies on the white base she's voiced by fuyumi shiraishi who voices mirai yeah um, so she she has Mir- she is voiced by mirai yashima from um 0079 yeah and um, uh she her whole thing is also kind of like a rivalry with Cosmo to be taken seriously to the same level that Cosmo is, but no one also, but also nobody takes Cosmo seriously, and he's mad about that. Yeah, and, and like honestly, it, 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 I think both of them, and I think this this is where I would honestly more strongly, more confidently call her a proto Oscar because like her she she, but honestly, so is Cosmo. Uh, <laughs> well, Cosmo does have the orange hair, and Kasha does have the same haircut. Yeah, it's like Cosmo, Cosmo, and Kasha are both very much of of that archetype of like they don't realize how in over their heads they are. They're so they're sh- they're they're sure of themselves. They're trigger happy. They are way too emotional, and like they're they are just they are emotionally ill equipped for the responsibility they've been given. Definitely. And it honestly, like, I I think any other show would have had them be, like, constant feuding rivals. Like, like almost like fucking Shinji and Asuka ended up being for a lot of their relationship. And but, for, like, the, for the most part, they are, but it's very downplayed. It is, and, like, there's... There's, I think there's way more moments where they legitimately cooperate because nine times out of ten, they both just super want to kill the Buff Clan real bad, and so they have, no, they have nothing to argue about. <laughs> yeah. Essentially, it just comes to the fact that she is slightly more, like, the. It, we'll get into the samurai stuff, but Kasha is way more on Team Cheryl than Team Bess in that in that argument. Yeah. Um. So next we got next we got on the list we got Ka, we have uh, Cheryl. Cheryl is voiced by Yu Inoai, who voices Sayla in 0079. And. Uh, Cheryl is Clancy one of the ar- and Pat Labor. Yes. Uh, I don't know if it's. I don't know which it is. I don't know if she did both the OVA and the anime, but in in something. I think they have the same voice cast. I think they have the same voice cast. I think uh, all the Pat Labors have always had the same voice cast. That's good. I like. I like the Pat OVA's Labor on TV cast. and the movies. That's good. I'm glad. And so, uh, Cheryl is. Cheryl is a capital S scientist. <laughs> like, honestly, she, like she's a scientist, but then like she, as the series goes on, I mean, at the very least in this first in this first fourteen episodes, like she immediately stops doing science and starts trying to fucking run this shit in a way that yeah. is like chilling to me. It's like. Uh, I am honestly extremely interested in Cheryl. If I if I had unlimited her, her character goes places. If I had unlimited time, if, if I had more time, I would watch these episodes again and specifically pay more attention to Cheryl because when she first shows up, like, I, and I I I did I told this to you, but I'll share it on the show of like my first my first notions of Cheryl and Bess were very much like. Oh, okay. I have I have their characters down. She's gonna be 
the reasonable scientist who wants to be more conservative and like wait stuff out because it's like we need to research this more like we don't know what we're dealing with and Bess is gonna Bess is the military man who's like this is a weapon and we're under attack so we have to use whatever we have at our advantage at whatever we have at our disposal because that's kind of how they are at like in episode one yeah and like the first two episodes when they're on when they're still on solo and and, well, they're, and then they're on solo for a while, but <laughs> and then immediately Cheryl's just like unlimited power, like unlimited <laughs> power of E Day, <laughs> fucking Sheev Formosa. I feel like uh, Cheryl has the same level of like obsession with research material and complete lack of morality that like Doctor Sautome has. Probably. It's it, that's that's I get her as like like that's the vibe I get from Cheryl. Her character does go through some go through some stuff and like especially her moments in Be Invoked are like it's funny because coming back to the show the the character I actually remembered the most was Cheryl. I'm I think that's how I'm gonna be by the end of this Cheryl. Like I immediately picked up on Cheryl. Like I had her pegged. You basically confirmed a lot of the shit I said about her. <laughs> yeah. I, the character I, I had the most, like, vivid memory of, like, besides, like, you know, like, Bess, Carla, and Cosmo, um, like, like, I, I, Cheryl was the one who I was like, wow, I remembered her the best out of everybody. Like, cause, she, like, literally, like, a hundred percent of her lines and decisions and demeanor, I just look at her and I'm like, aren't you supposed to be a fucking scientist? Why are you being like this right now? She just wants to fucking m- m- murder murder Kerala in cold fucking blood at a moment's notice and she never stops and I'm just like like but she's not even like and it's not even emotional based like like Lada like when like the the moment that we'll get to when Lada like takes a gun and is trying to kill Kerala but is too chicken shit to do it but it's like at least she is like emotionally responding to like outside stimuli of like like her people killed everyone we love like i can't let her live and live among us like nothing happened and like at least i can see where she's coming from a fucking cheryl just scares me i cheryl is very much i think was waiting for something like this to happen that's so that's still scary (laughs) yeah no cheryl's a terrifying character and uh do you want me to spoil something that i'm gonna cut off the podcast or no uh Go ahead, as long as you remember, as long as you remember to cut it. I will, because I listen to it while I I, I edit while I listen. Mm-hmm. Uh, she ends up. Re- oh my, f- oh my fucking, oh my fucking god! I want you to bleep what you said instead of cutting <laughs> it because this reaction I'm I need on record that. Devin, yeah. Devin, you just gave me the tea. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my. God. God, Devin, so, I can't right. wait to watch the rest of this show! <laughs> oh yeah, dude, Edeon, especially the, like, uh, like, the first third of Edeon, where we roughly cut it into thirds, and the fourth part we'll just do A Contact and Be Invoked, A Contact being a recap compilation movie that changes a couple things, and, like, Lada being the one to kill Maya. Yeah. And, um, in the movie, as opposed to in the show, where she's kind of gunned down by two just faceless crew members of a solo ship. And then be invoked is like end of Edeon. Uh, so, 
while we're riding that wave, uh, do you want to let's let's finish off the we'll we'll throw her in with the buff clan. So we'll talk about Carl uh, a bit later. Mm-hmm. So let's go through the rest of the um the crew of the of the solo ship. We got Jolliver. Do you, I'm gonna I'm just gonna say names and see if you remember who they are. I remember Jolliver's name because his name is Jolliver, and that's fucking hysterical. But I don't uh, remember a goddamn thing he did. Um, he's the head. He's like the head mechanic or like the head engineer of the solo ship. Uh, he's the blonde guy with the green jacket. Yes. Now that you say that, that does strike an image. I remember he's around a lot, but there's just he's around. So he's many... kind of like second in command beneath Bess because it's like he's he get Bess orders tells Jolliver what to do, and Jolliver figures out how to do that. <laughs> uh, he's voiced by by Kanato Shiozawa, who he voices a pretty much every minor character. Like he voices four crew members of the White Base. Wow. And uh, he was McCuvey. In 0079, and uh, he also famously voices Ray and Fist of the North Star and a couple other. Oh my God, like, he's he's Job. Roles. He's Job John. Yeah, he's John Job. Great job. Good job. Great job. <laughs> Great job. Yeah, he's John Job. Great and, job. Uh, or Job John. Uh, he's Marker. I think he's also he's he's both Marker and the other guy. I like I like this name from Galactic Gale Baxingar, uh, Billy the Shot. That's a cool name. Yeah, he's in the J9 trilogy. Ooh. Baxinger. It's a, that's the second of the J9s. Briger, Baxinger, and Saucy Riger. Hmm. And all three of them have dope theme songs. Uh, so that's that. I just wanted, do you have anything to say about Jolliver? Because I'm just going through. I'm just Rolodexing through. I've got a goddamn thing to say. Great Jol. Great Jol. <laughs> uh, so then we have. Next, we have Moera, who was one of the Ideon pilots, because the Ideon has fucking, like, five, six pilots. Uh, one thing I do want to say about uh, Kanato Chiozawa, uh, also voiced Gray Fox. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, hurt me, hurt Moera me more. Is, hurt me more, Snake Daddy. Moera is, uh, the, is Cosmo's co-pilot. He's one of the soldiers under Bess's command. He kind of looks like a palette swap of Bess, like, with brown hair <laughs> instead of, like, greenish blonde. <laughs> fucking mirror match Bess, fucking... And then we also, along with the the the, we, essentially, we can throw all four of these characters into the same kind of category. We also have Techno, Bento, and Hatari. Yeah, I like Techno's because his name is Techno. Techno is Kasha's co-pilot. No, Techno is the pilot of the th- of the thirty day on, um, the third machine. Mm-hmm. He has the kind of orange hair and he's a little heavier set. Bento has the glasses, and Hatari is the pilot of the um, solo ship with the blue hair. Right. Uh, we now we now we got the kids. We got Fard, Ashura, and Piper Lou and Deck. Fard being the uh, the kind of the tall, lanky, white-haired kid with the doll. Yeah. Ashura being the really young girl. Yeah, and they are sort of. I mean, they they are the children that are in every fucking mecha anime. And... Every Tomino show, Tomino loves having the token kids around yeah. to witness the token war crimes. I think I I think Tomino. <laughs> Tomio probably looked at like Gona guy shit and was like, "What if, what if the child was not a sex pest?" <laughs> um, Deck takes a more active role later on in the plot, as I think you can start seeing yeah, toward he, the end of where we were. He definitely wants to be. He's definitely like uh, that the the one kid in Zeta who was on White Base and then got older. Yeah, Cots. He's he's very much the Cots. Uh, Lin and Far. Uh, not Lynn. Fard and Lada 
both kind of share the they both are they're essentially uh kika and let's from 0079 mm-hmm. um and then deck is cots but from zeta and le- less actively awful than cots is in zeta yeah. um so finally we have the last we have piper lou the baby yeah. who is very who is a lot more important than you'd think lou, yeah lou is a lou is a baby also voiced by uh, by Cheryl's voice actress. Yeah. And then we have Lada and Lynn. And I don't know if you picked up on this because they rarely interact, but Lynn is Cheryl's younger sister. I sure fucking didn't. <laughs> um, Missed that she, one. Lynn has the pink Princess Leia hair. Yeah, 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 yeah. And she's with Lada, and both of them are kind of... Lada's kind of the Fraubo of this show, where she's kind of designated... They're the designated caretakers of the children. Yeah, it's it's sort of like they are the, the 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 women. They are the women. Well, well, yeah, in in that very antiquated way. Mm-hmm. Except I I do like that they that they actually give Lada kind of a lot to do, especially in that one episode. Yeah, and like it's like I that's one thing that I always felt bad about is that Frau is a very good character, but so many times she's just like. The things she's given to do, like Frau's there and ready to do whatever, but they're like, "No, take care of the kids." No, Frau, now you got to go get Amuro because he ran away again. Yeah, and I, I think that is one of the like th- that is the difference I think between poorly between a lot of poorly written anime women and a lot of and, and and Western animation poorly written women is a lot of Western animation poorly written women, at least in terms of like popular children's cartoons of any given era. Uh, less so in modern times, thankfully, um, but definitely up to the mid two thousands of just like they're the girl, and they're just there to be smarter than the boy. You get a lot of raw feminism of just like it's 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 feminist because girl smart and boy dumb, but then like it, that's which is I, what I thought they were gonna do with Kasha, but they kind of didn't. Yeah, and then like I, and then anime. And then, like, comparable anime, what I see more often is, like, oh, you came up with, like, a really good fucking character bio, like, a great pitch, great summary. If you read what she was about on paper, you'd be like, this fucking rules. And then you watch the anime, and she has, like, 15 fucking minutes of screen time in 50 episodes. Uh- <laughs> well, Frau, Frau doesn't have that problem. Frau's always there until up until yeah. the end. It's just that Frau keeps, it's just kind of constantly given women womanly duties right and that's the thing it's like it's 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 less uh, either it's screen time or it's just they're there but they're not actually doing anything to further their own character arcs like because frau's whole thing in 0079 is the fact that like initially she's amuro's love interest because you can tell she definitely has feelings for amuro right and origin even reinforces that uh because you get to see what their life was like before the events of 0079 but toward this, as the show goes on, Amuro becomes more and more and more emotionally unavailable to the point where she starts a romance with Hayato. Is it weird that my first thought end. is it weird that my first thought of Amuro's life before before the One Year War was like Amuro probably doesn't fucking remember his life before the One Year War. Yeah, he probably doesn't. I mean, Kai was the school bully. Fuck. Yeah. Who the fuck is gonna? I'll be. I'll. I'll be fucking eight. I'll beat the shit out of Kai. <laughs> what the fuck are you threatening? No, you give me your lunch money, bitch. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, you clown! Get out of my sight. <laughs> uh, there's one more member of the of the of the solo ship, but she hasn't really showed up yet. Uh, her name is Rapo. She's the nurse, and um, but she she plays a part later. Um, 
Then we have the buff clan. We got it. We, I'm only going to bring up about four buff clan characters because the other ones are kind of like bad guy general of the week. Yeah. The, our four main uh, buff clan character. Well, our our four main buff clan characters. First and foremost is Karala, being the daughter of the supreme commander of the military of the buff clan. Uh, she's out um, searching for the Ide, and she is voiced. By Matilda Son! Matilda Son! From, from, from Gundam as well. Uh, Keiko Toda. Yeah. So, Carla's whole thing is that she. I, I, I like how all the Buff Clan ladies have, like. Have their, the crews of their ship are entirely ladies. I actually like that. Damn, I didn't I was no- like, I, I did not notice that. Like, whenever Harulu is there, who who is Carla's angry sister, yeah. she always has, like, two ladies on her bridge, and then Carla had Maya and her other, and the other one who didn't get a name. Oh, yeah, you're right. That, okay, that's cool. And I'm like, I wonder if that's, like, a buff clan thing, where it's, like, if you're gonna serve in the military or in anything, you serve, like, if you're a woman, you have to serve under a woman. Yeah, that sounds like some f- stupid shit they do. Yeah, that sounds very buff clan. Uh, the buff clan names are the worst Tomino names uh, out of all Tomino names. Let's let's take like two syllables and then throw another one on there. It's like it's like Japanese word salad. Where they're like, okay, let's look through our characters here. We got let's look through our kana. We got okay, we got ah, okay, we got a ka. What else we got? We got a ra. What about a what about another one? Karara. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's a name. Okay, what about um abade de guhaba? It's like they're all bad. <laughs> the, I like the Buff Clan and what and what the, and they're like their per, their role in this show, but my God, do they have the worst names yeah, ever? I think like because you know like the the Gundam name Gundam names is Tomino going like you know what's what's a globalist future like where the 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 global population has all just sort of like intermingled like like both biologically and culturally to the point where like. W- However, he built that world in his head. I'm. I, I would honestly love more information about how he feels like humanity on Earth progressed in terms of like, you know, breaking down borders and whatnot and cross culturalization and stuff like that. Because um, I do like Gundam names a lot. Um, but I think this one was Tomino being like, okay, aliens are real. That's bullshit. But let's do this. Uh, <laughs> what the fuck's an alien language like? And he's not a linguist so like <laughs> uh, technically cheryl is apparently oh i'm fucking sure that's that's her second that's her second fucking masters whatever shucking um so carla is very important and is look and she is on like i guess the ever their i guess their entire species is just on the quest to go discover the e to figure out what the e-day is which is so which is so set the the which is central to their species is creative creation myth yes but I, but i do it, it is interesting because I, I feel like Kerala Kerala is extremely invested in the belief that the like the the ide machines or whatever they're called um are have some relation to the ide but everyone else in the buff clan is are skeptics they're like i don't yeah probably like purposefully consciously because otherwise they would have to look at every military situation and and say to themselves i have to go fight the giant of e-day <laughs> this fucking <laughs> sucks so there's well, no- i mean that's what they 
That's what they fucking call Ide. Is, I mean, that's what they call Ide on, is the Densetsu Kyojin, the giant god. Yeah, so it's like every every scene where they have to reckon with the with the giant mecha, they like they always have to vocalize, huh, I don't think this, uh, like, it might have something to do with Ide, but I don't think so. It's like, yeah, I fucking bet you don't think so. You gotta go fight this fucking thing. <laughs> and so that leads us to Gijay and Damido. I like Gijay because he's a very he's a he. I think Gijay is like a shittier Char, and that's great. Yeah, I love the concept of that. It's, I I think I because Char is somebody that's so good at everything. Because like Char made his life being good at shit to get his to accomplish what he needs to accomplish. That is who Char is. What if Char was not talented? Yeah. What if what if Char was not talented and also bought in? Like like what if. What if, like, Char went through the military, like, in, in Origins, and instead of, like, st- st- all that bullshit he pulled was just like, hey, you know what? Yeah, fuck the Earth Federation. I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually join Zion for real. Because uh, <laughs> Gij, Gij and everybody in the Buff Clan is just so, it's, it's a bureaucracy in such a it's- naked way. I think war is their entire culture. Yeah. I think they don't know how to do anything besides be at war. And, like, and so, I, I live in... I, I currently live in San Antonio, and the fucking, like, 70% of the population, if not more, is either in the military or moved here because one of the significant members of their family is in the military and they have to be here now, too. Um that's just that it's everything is just like it's just blase it's laissez-faire it's the day-to-day daily grind of it's the war machine the gears are turning and you're a gear and it's you're so detached from it all even when you're directly involved and that is the buff clan oh um one of my one of the notes i forgot to uh i jolliver's also voices byman in votoms Nice. One of the one of the red one of the the red shoulder crew, and uh, Hatari voices Jared and Zeta, <laughs> which is it's funny to me because Jared sucks more than Gijay does. Uh, I I like Tomino characters that suck because they're because they don't suck because they're a bad character. They suck because Tomino made them suck, and that's a, and that's the point. It it like it is it is so entertaining watching Gijay because like. <sighs> It's one thing. It's one thing when a character is super bought in and tries their best in a in a system that isn't actually going to reward them how they think, because that's absolutely what's going on. But usually in those situations, a character is like you know, it's like it's like a super cop in a super corrupt precinct, or like you know, a, an overly optimistic character in a cynical world. Gijay not only believes in the system, he is. He is doing his best to be just as slimy as everyone else. All anybody in the Buff Clan care about, especially Gijay and Domino, is the is a promotion. The fucking promotion. Domino honestly is actively wanting Gijay to die so that he can get Gijay's promotion. It's it's some fucking madman shit. It's fuck fucking wild. It's so cynical, and I love They're it. They're going to war with an alien with an alien race they just met, possibly fighting against a deity they worship, and all these people can fucking think about is their own promotion. It's insane. 
Uh, Domido and Gije, the main thing that separates them is that Gije has the false pretense where he's convinced himself that he's an honorable samurai. Yes, that's the best and thing. And Domido straight up does not give a fuck. Yeah. And I want to, I want to ask you if you, if Domido's voice sounds familiar to you. He, he doesn't. Why? Who is he? Because he's Rochina. Fuck. He's Banjo Ginga. He's Girin from 0079, and he's Rochina. Because I was sat there and I looked at, it, I was like, "Holy shit, that's Banjo Ginga!" And I, d- I double checked it, and I was like, "Yep, that's Gear. That's that's a Rochina." <laughs> if only the Ida had, ch- had chosen me. Oh my god! I like that his name's Banjo Ginga. It's a good name. Um. Gijay and Damido both suck because Gijay is Carla's fiance, which I guess was a thing he really wanted because he's a if I can marry the Shogun's daughter, I can. It's like that. That's I'm set for life. Yeah, like, I don't think he actually loves Carla at all. No, because that that's another thing. Like any other show, this type of care, this type of character would actually be in love. Like convince himself he's in love with the woman he's trying to like get an arranged marriage with. But it's like. No, even he's not that bought in. He still uh, understands that, like, no, I just need her for this fucking promotion because this is the buff clan and that's all you care about. Uh, uh, just the... The way he actively on screen, just within the same episode, within the same scene, will be like, oh, the the samurai way is this and this is this is our honorable way. And then, like... Five fucking minutes later, he's turning tail and just doing the exact opposite of the thing he said Noble Samurai do, and he comes up with some fucking excuse, either to himself or the fucking solo ship, and it's just like, you fucking weasel. God, I love you. Gijay's a good character, but he sucks. Yeah, no, he sucks so good. And Domido, once again, it's like, I I like how shitty... Like, Domido is like, my notes for him to say, wow, he's a huge dick. Domino, like... Domino is just like Domino absolutely is like that that fucking weasley ass second in command who is just waiting for 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 his superior to fuck up. Uh and then a late addition to the major buff clan characters we have Harulu. Yeah. Who is Carla's sister and is very angry. Tomino it's like Tomino's Tomino's trademarked terrifying woman. Yeah. Something tells you. Do you think Tomino's mom was like super scary? Either Tomino's mom was super scary, or he he just he just likes dominating women. I I I was going to say maybe his first wife was like that. Immediately assuming that Tomino's been divorced <laughs> at least once. A fucking epic divorce, man, Yoshiyuki Tomino. Fucking. I mean, what David Lynch is on like what his fourth or fifth wife? Dang. Uh, but it's uh, uh, are are all four of them fucking Woody Woodpecker plushes? No. <laughs> um, I I can't find anything about his spouses. Usually, that'll say that under his. Has he never been married? Maybe not. Does he? Do you know if he has any kids? I don't know. Tomino might not. Oh my god, Tomino, have you just spent the last almost 80 years just fucking making anime and not and, and nothing else? I think so. Damn. <sighs> so, uh, that, that's the cast of Ideon. Uh, very briefly, do you want to talk about the Ideon itself? Because the Ideon itself is pretty cool. Um, big. Uh, yes, it's not, it's about, I think it's the same size as the Shin Getter. I don't think it's as big as I always think it is. N- not, not. Uh, or maybe a bit bigger. Knife, 
knife feet feet knife feet, feet knife blades they kick and it slices I like how the Edeon is armed like a spaceship like it just it's covered in cannons and guns and like missiles that are all like that are all like manually controlled and like they, they even go through the like the flavor text effort of being like when they first transform like it shows like gunners being like i can't fucking see anymore and it's like i, I like fire the missiles and it's like th those missiles aren't out anymore we can't fire them like we combined and it's different now <laughs> yeah that that's that's a tomino touch right there that's that little tomino attention to detail which Hideaki Anno takes to the next level, where you have the entire logistics of how a giant robot sniper rifle would shoot a uh, a diamond out of the sky, <laughs> in like the best episode of Evangelion. Um, but uh, the Ideon itself doesn't really. Uh, later on, the Ideon will have will show some like the the scope of its power. I think the most the craziest thing we see it do is in the last episode with the multi missile barrage. Yeah, that 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 shot that I was honestly like in the middle of the of my watch through, I was like, when's Edeon gonna do the fucking thing that they make sure you have like attachments for whenever you buy a figure of it, like, <laughs> um, because like the the fucking the 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 Solo Chagokin Edeon, which like the more I watch this show, the more I fucking want it, um totally comes with like the the big like the the wide like sh shoulder all over the body missile attachment effects that you could attach to it yeah because that's one of the most famous moments in Adeon is that scene right there that's why i want to end on 14 yeah and uh every super robot wars game has that attack like where Adeon's in it and by that i mean the two that the two appearances it makes but it's 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 great it, like the Adeon is better than its than its crew. The Edeon is almost a character itself because no one fully understands it. It's almost like it's ancient alien technology that's piloted that no one fully understands how it works. It's piloted by a ton of people who don't really know what they're doing, and it, it its power level is inconsistent depending on the on the threat level of like children. Yeah, it it's almost a weird like. Not corruption necessarily, but a, like a scarier version of how like of like the the original original like giant robo ass mechas where it's like no one's te like someone's controlling them, but also they are extremely uh like of their own volition. Like they just do shit, and there's just a child on their shoulder, kind of making vague commands. Like that's Cosmo, just, just almost like. It's almost as if, like, Cosmo is just sort of pretending to fucking pilot the Edeon. Well, I mean, the steering wheel thing for it is just, like, a, squ oh, a square. They just hold on to, like, a like a square made of, like, pipes. He had to, he, they had to install their own pilot seats. Like, yes. Edeon didn't come with any. That's why I, I made that joke of, like, is, is Cosmo deadass gonna spend the next 39 episodes sitting in a fucking lawn chair piloting the Edeon? <laughs> I like how they did that. Yeah, like how they literally how they literally show that. It's great. And so that may and like now that I say that, like now that we're talking about it, it makes me wonder like di like did anybody quote unquote pilot Ida like the sixth civilization like they probably knew that pilots weren't exclusively necessary, so did no one what like did 
did the solo crew just sort of dig these up and assume like oh there this must be where the pilot would have sat and it's like nah dog <laughs> Yeah, like I'm assuming that all the different mechanisms that to, that that I guess make it work were installed by the archaeologist team. Yeah, which is like Cosmo's dad and Cheryl's dad, or brother. It's uh, it's it's a guy named Doctor Formosa. So they don't I don't know yeah, if it's her dad or they her don't brother. fucking live long enough for that to matter. Yeah, they do not. Um, I've been keeping track of every slap and every death of a named character. Not like because I haven't been able to keep track of every on-screen time somebody dies. But every if somebody has a name and they die, I keep track of it. Uh, do you want to know the score so far? Fucking tell me. We are at eight deaths and ten slaps. Damn. And we are 14 episodes in. And let me tell you, by being invoked, we are going to be... I want to see where that number goes. It's going to skyrocket, I think. It is. Uh, so that's that's the Edeon for now. We don't really get to see the sheer scope of the Edeon's power until, like, the third act and be invoked. Uh, which, so... which I think we can get to pretty succinctly, because I, I feel like any... Any information that these episodes have conveyed, like, we sort of have covered just going through the cast and their basic situation. It's it's fairly episodic. I, you know, it, that's not to its detriment. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It, it's, it shows, that's, that, the, the, the pacing and the format is what really makes me see it more as a 70s show than an 80s show. Yeah. Where it's like it feel like, and that that's another that's another reason why I prefer the Gundam movies to the Gundam show. Mm-hmm. But I still think everybody should watch the show at least once. Yeah, only because for for Edeon especially, like the if you just like I I watched I watched uh fucking be invoked or whatever. No, you watched a contact in a contact uh before anything else and i had no fucking clue what was going on because uh, unlike the gundam compilation movie because Edeon was popular but not financially successful so it was kind of like a firefly situation where everywhere it got canceled <laughs> and then the, I mean, like imagine if before you went and saw serenity they played like an hour-long clip show of the show to like catch you up on what you missed because it was in, like, the two years between the end of Firefly and Serenity. I feel like Firefly could have done that pretty successfully. <laughs> <laughs> that That's the most Western equivalent I can I can come up with. Tooch, you, Tooch, you said a bad thing about Firefly. We're going to lose subscriber. <laughs> or that, that one guy who put a new iTunes review is going to take it off now. Yeah, right. I, I like Firefly. It's 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 all right. It's okay. Yeah, it was okay. But like my 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 main my main takeaway my main takeaway from it was like, boy, Josh Josh Whedon sure thought he was gonna get a second season, so he didn't try very hard. Because he's Josh. He sure Whedon. watched Outlaw Star. He was Josh Whedon at that point, and he knows he's Josh Whedon. So he was like, I can do what I'm gonna make whatever show I want. And then every show he made after Buffy got canceled after one season. And then for some reason, Marvel was like, we want you to write our movies. And that also didn't uh, fucking work out. <laughs> um, yeah, so that the we're going to go into the synopsis. We might not go into as much detail as we did with Votoms, just because this, this show is very much like... They are in... It is space runaway Edeon. There is a lot of running away. Yeah. Much to the chagrin of half of the cast, oddly enough. <laughs> so we start with um, we start with Bess, and he has some tanks. 
I think they're I think it's actually like the 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 like Jolliver, Moera, Techno, Bento, and Hatari, his dudes who are kind of with him, and they're like, "Best, we don't have permission from like the planet Garrison to take these." And he's just like, "Listen, some scientists, the scientists are up to something. I don't trust them." Yeah, on planet Solo. Yeah, and and, <laughs> and again and, and again at first at first I was on the side of science of like, "Best, you fucking military meddler, like get the fuck out of science's way." But now I'm like, fourteen episodes in, I'm like, "Man, fucking best, you were on to something." And uh, he gets there, and he find and uh, following behind them is Cosmo and Kasha in their little weird trucks, <clears throat> uh, deck stowing away with Co- and Cosmos because I guess they just want to see what why are all these tanks at like what's going on here <laughs> so they're kind of just being nosy kids and following uh eventually they get to you know the dig site where there's these three gigantic tanks and uh he and bess immediately stops ar- starts arguing with cheryl and i don't think they've stopped yet no they really haven't and like just just to, cheryl's like, <laughs> just to set up their situation it's like they they are like space colonizers essentially i'm just like going around looking for plant like like living on plants and then exploring plants but also like they're they they still have contact with earth and like there are new like one of the reasons that karala is able to just kind of slip in unnoticed is because everybody assumes that she came in with the most recent like colonists on the last ship and that's why they also that brought like supplies and yeah stuff. And, and that's also why they don't think she's dressed funny because they've been away from earth for so long there's there's like a there's like a little like a little bit of flavor text line of just like oh i guess that must be what the fashion is like on earth now since we've been gone and it's just like that's that's what space travel is gonna is gonna fucking be like like we're we're gonna get out there before warp drive is a thing and you're just never gonna fucking know what's going on on earth anymore <laughs> yeah and i and that that makes this the show kind of unique in that regard and i like that a lot about about Edeon's world yeah despite that it doesn't they, they don't do nearly enough enough world building in this show as they do in like 0079 yeah like that's like the, like everything i just told you is basically everything you get at least in the these first 14 yeah. episodes <laughs> i think the i think the setting and the world of gundam were way more important to gundam than it is to Edeon. Yeah. or more the conflict and the characters are what's important to Edeon and the Ide itself i would be in- so, i would be interested in i would be interested in something in Edeon's universe uh just or, or at the very least, i don't know just some sort of like flavor text some kind of fucking something i don't know so at this point uh in space there we have uh the buff clan commanded by Car- Carla there's two ships one that's commanded by Carla and one that's um, commanded by Gijay and Domido. And Carla is all like, I'm going down to this planet, uh, the planet, they call it Logo Dao mm-hmm. instead of Solo. So they always refer to the, the humans as Logo Dao aliens or the Logo Dao ship. So they're like, I'm going to go, she's like, I'm going to go investigate this planet because there seems to be stuff on there. And they're, and immediately the buff clan are like, yeah, let's just, we'll just go down there too because like, I doubt these aliens are, are advanced as us, are as advanced as us. I doubt they have radar or anything. Yeah. So Carla goes down, because I think she's, like, generally fascinated. I think it's, like, I, I don't think Carla is a bad person. I just think she kind of was, made some dumb choices. Carla Peacecraft. Yeah. <laughs> Carla shows up, and she uh, immediately 
GJ and Dom, Dom, GJ starts freaking out where he's like, I don't know, there's aliens here. Carl is down there. My promotion is, I'm, my boss is going to be so mad at me if his daughter dies. Wow. Yeah, no, nah, you're not wrong. And uh, GJ and Domido sent, go down in like their weird buff clan ships. Um, and they're kind of just flying over. They're like, oh my God, there's like, these guys are kind of advanced. And I think they lose contact with Carla briefly. And one guy under Domino's control says, oh shit, they may be hurting Carla, and just like fires a missile. Yeah. And it just kind of escalates from there where the dig site, everybody at the dig site gets killed. Nobody, uh, none of the buff clan know what's going on. They just hear gunfires. They assume they're under attack and just start go- to start killing everybody. And the Edeon is formed, and that kind of in the first episode, the Edeon punches a, uh, a ship out of the sky, a uh, buff clan ship out of the sky, to which everyone's like, whoa, what is this? Yeah, just everybody in this fuck, everybody, everybody with a gun in this situation is just being the most cop about it, except Bess. <laughs> And so, through a, so through a series of, of uh, you know trial and error, they get the the Edeon up and running, and they start collecting survivors and trying to head to the to the only city on Solo, which is just gets completely devastated by. Can I shout out to those two guys in the fighter pilot who just get super killed? Like the, the fighter jet, the two fighter pilots in the jet who just get super killed. I mean, yeah, poor one out the for second him. episode. Poor went out for the entire, for most of the population of Planet Solo. Like, GJ and Domino's guys just murder everybody. And so that's how the first five episodes kind of play out, is prolonged conflict. Is the prolonged conflict with the, the uh, Buff Clan, trying to find a way to escape from the Planet Solo. Eventually they find the bu- the Solo ship, which was like half excavated. Yeah. And they, initially they just start hiding in it, because they're just like, well, at least maybe this is strong enough to prevent them from getting in. And it kind of starts turning on, and then Bess is like, oh, this thing is like, it's the same weird gauge on the on the Edeon. Like, what, like, maybe we can get this thing to work. And once they get the children on board, the solo ship just turns on. Like, once Piper Lou starts crying, it's, it's, it's in, their shields are up, their, their, their hyperdrive is charged. And Bess is like good enough, and they slip into into like DS space, which is their their own. I like that you that like they establish they're going into a different dimension. Yeah, it's it's really it's 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 fucking far out, man. It's very Star Wars. So from there on, uh, Carla is now on board the ship. I think initially out of curiosity, now out of concern for these people. And she's accompanied by her subordinate, Maya. Fucking Maya is just in over her fucking head. She doesn't know what's going on. She doesn't care what's going on. She's just like, my job is to make sure this dumb bitch doesn't get killed. And all <laughs> she wants to do is literally just run in front of people's fucking bullets all goddamn day. I can't fucking take this i don't care i don't care what the ada is i don't care what these people are doing we gotta go we need to leave and carla is just like uh, no <laughs> carla gets cast so eventually the so the carla for the first couple episodes and maya managed to like blend into the background by being like oh we're new here 
but eventually they find out that she's Buff Clan, and they are immediately thrown into jail. Yeah. Um, GJ stages a. They land on a dinosaur planet. This is when I think this is when the show starts really picking up. Is when they land on the dinosaur planet around episode eight. Dinosaurs usually uh, make things more exciting. Dinosaurs are good. They land on a dinosaur planet, and GJ manages to board the solo ship. Ryoma is fucking hollering. Ryoma's very mad. <laughs> uh, GJ gets on board the solo ship. And he's like, Carla, let's go. And she's kind of like, no, the Ide's here. I need, I want to study this more. And he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? We got to get out of here. To which then he doesn't, he gets super shot at and uh, challenges Cosmo to a, uh, to a, to a, an honorable duel, a duel, if you will, yeah. only for immediately for Domino to be like, hey, I got hostages. Yeah, right. And like. On, and I think GJ absolutely tries. GJ both takes advantage of takes advantage of the situation that Damido has given him, but then walks away being like, "This isn't how I. This isn't how it should have been." But I'm still gonna fucking take this opportunity to to win anyway. But this isn't how samurai do it. Just so you know, okay? They are and they are obsessed <laughs> with being samurai, and they all suck at it. It's great. I I can totally see Tomino just being like pointing at the members of his generation who wanted to go back to World War II era Japanese values. God, yeah. Where it's like, we need to go back to being, like, back, remember when we were samurai, and Tomino's just like, I hate all of you. And it's just like, and Tomino, Tomino just, like, looking at all of them and being like, dude, everybody who wasn't a samurai fucking hated the samurai. The samurai were cops. The samurai sucked. The samurai super sucked. <laughs> and that's why the buff clan super suck. I, I, lo I love the buff clan. Like, the buff clan are so, like... That, that's the thing that's so brilliant about this show is that the conflict, the perpetuation of the conflict is everybody's fault, everybody involved. Because you'd say, like, oh, they're just the bad guys. They don't want to negotiate. Neither do the solo refugees. They Cosmo just wants to kill as many Buff Clan people as he can. Yeah, and, like, and, and no, one, no one listens to Bess because the only person who agrees with Bess is Kurala, and so everyone's just like, you're just trying to get that fucking alien pussy. I'm not listening to you. <laughs> yeah, Carl, Bess is, a, is the one who, because for the, for the first couple episodes, and even into, up to episode 14, people just want Carla dead. They're like, why the fuck is she on the ship? She's a fucking spy. Like, she could be, she could be like, telling them what we're doing. Well, that's why, I mean, why they keep fucking finding us. Let's kill her. Cheryl is just like, yeah, let's just cut the bitch's head off, like, right Meanwhile, here. Meanwhile, multiple people, multiple characters, have stumbled upon, picked up the tracking device, yes. looked at it, and went, as weird fucking sick civilization thing, I don't fucking know what it is, and just tosses it over their shoulder and keeps walking. And I'm like, this is the most infuriating anime anyone's ever fucking produced and put on television. I'm gonna fucking beat up everyone here. <laughs> You're just gonna fist fight Tony now? <laughs> God. So, to get to the tracking device, um, I think it gets to the point where now, like, Abadede shows up, who is Damido and Gijay's boss. Like, their immediate boss, because everyone works for Carla's dad. But I guess, like, in the hierarchy, Abadeda is their immediate superior officer. And he's like, alright, we gotta get Carla back. And after a new, after a couple attempts of that just not help, not working, because 
Domino and Gage hate each other, and Gage an idiot. Yeah. Gage is just like I, I'm. I'm so dishonored by this. I'm gonna take out Carla to 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 like cleanse my honor. And it's this is when this is one of the first really good episodes of this show. Is in it's. I think this is the moment where you decided you really liked Gage. Yeah. Because of how much he sucks. This. This. I was the Devin. I was madder than I've ever been on this show. I'm pretty sure. Unless you. Unless there was some moment in our first season where I got really mad. I think this is the maddest I've ever been about a show we've covered on Metrospective. Yes, and I think you were supposed to be mad. Oh no, hundred percent. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, no, 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 no. Um. Fucking... So I'll let I'll let you describe I'll let you summarize this bit. Okay. So uh, what GJ does? I'm a little fuzzy on what got them to this point. But so I think it was honestly just GJ just I think Domino was just shitting on GJ like yo dude you suck like and what you say you like you're so dishonored right now. So GJ takes one of their big fuck off battleships. I think Domino egged him on. Yeah. He egged him on. Like GJ takes one of their big fuck off battleships, and like they're in they're in fucking subspace or whatever ds space DS, fucking nintendo ds space um and they're like warping or whatever and gj's like doing like the fucking noble conservative japanese samurai thing of like i'm i am going to take this ship and ram it into you and take everyone down with me at least that's his rhetoric up to this point uh, and you know this is him committing seppuku essentially yeah yeah he's com. he's you know he's he's he is a kamikaze pilot in this specific scenario at the very least how it's all framed um like because that's it's a trope and we're all familiar with it and especially back then i'm sure people were like fucking it was a thing that happened in relatively recent history and yeah. so Edeon the world war ii ended 35 years earlier yeah and so Edeon is like fuck i have to stop this ship and is trying to so like before that happens gj is like 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 i'm like i'm so sorry like that i have to do this thinking like okay he's gonna go down with his girl and then he fucking pushes a goddamn button just before the ship's about to like go to the point of no return into the into the into into the solo ship and the little top part of it that he's in jettisons off and he ollies the fuck out and I Devin I immediately started yelling at you like oh my god this <laughs> dude sucks so fucking bad my my favorite bit about that is the face GJ makes as he's drifting away because it's just a face of complete and utter shame. Like he's he's so he is so aware of how much of a coward he is at that point. It's good fucking lord, this dude. And I'm not saying he, oh he's a coward. He didn't do a kamikaze attack. I'm just saying like if you're gonna do a kamikaze attack and you get that far into a kamikaze attack and then you dip. I'm saying especially like, yeah, in the I, context like, of everything. I I definitely don't I definitely don't think he's a coward. But I know for a fact that 99% of the buff clan thinks he's a coward. Oh yeah, it, it it's it's less a coward because he didn't because he didn't go through with a kamikaze. It's more like he's a coward for not f fulfilling what he said he's going to. Or he had he had he has the fucking gall to do something like this and then not even see it to fucking fruition. Not even see it to fruition, and then like it didn't even succeed anyway. It didn't. The Edeon manages to push the ship out of the way, and a really good scene too. Like whenever that music plays, that's it played during the missile attack. 
Like, that's when, like, those are the good Ian moments. The good Ian moments are that, and whenever that really haunting violin solo plays. Yes. Like, when... when like, when, like, the Ian turns on. When Ian turns on, and when the, when the, when the ship rises out of the dirt for the first time. That was the first time yeah. they played it, and I was like, that, I was, like, hooked. I was like, oh, this show's good. Like... <laughs> The show's very good. It's incons- It's not as consistently good as Gundam. It's so much rougher around the edges. Mm-hmm. Which is saying but something, because that... Gundam has the karate zaku. Uh... <laughs> uh, so Just Amadeus, kidding, the karate they... zaku fucking slaps. Don't worry, kids. <laughs> I know what's up. <laughs> so, Abadeide is like, okay, that didn't work. <laughs> like... <laughs> They get they get an actual contact with Harulu because they keep talking like oh god Harulu's gonna be pissed and they Damido and Gij wanted to get this dealt with before she showed up with reinforcements so that they could look awesome. Imagine living with the military repercussions of wasting an entire battleship and having nothing to show for it. That's that's why because Gij actually isn't in the show much more after that because after Harulu shows up because Gij is like Gij and Damido report to Harulu. Abadede is there. Abadede is like, all right, we have the complete. Abadede is the green one. If no one, if because uh, all the buff clan are a different color. Yeah. Uh, Harulu is red. She's all like, okay, kill Carla. She is. She's disgraced our society by 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 siding with these pathetic aliens. Like, she's no longer my sister. Just consider her wasted. Kill her. She's a traitor. Yeah, and honestly, and even bef- like even before that, like. Almost immediately from the jump, Gije was really the only one kinda interested in making sure Karala was alive. Fucking Damido certainly fucking did not care. And I know why, because if if Karala was dead, that means Gije is fucked. Yeah. That means he gets Gije's job. God. Or he gets a promotion Gije was lined up for, because they're, I think, like the same rank. Yeah. Abadede, on the other hand, is like, I'm gonna... I, I think Abadede is probably the most honorable out of all of the buff clan so far. Which is not saying much. No. Because he has a thing where he, like, that kind of gave me some Gundam vibes where he watches, like, the thing from his daughter and his wife telling him to come home. Oh, come yeah, Come home from that, war. Honestly, like, as as soon as that happened, I was like, my man's not showing up You're not, after this. Yeah. <laughs> But his whole thing, I guess, because that what I what I thought that meant, meant was he was just like, I don't want to do that to my to my to the to the shogun. I don't want to kill his daughter. I I have a daughter. I would be devastated regardless of context if my daughter died. So he's like, I'm gonna go in and I'm gonna get Carla before Harulu gives the official order to kill her. Yeah. And maybe, and he goes in and he manages to get aboard the solo ship and like along with a couple other guys when he, I think when his dude stormed the solo I don't remember if this is exactly when this happens but uh one buff clan dude's about to fucking shoot like all the kids and then just gets vaporized by the Ide. Yeah, I think that was that episode and that, and that honestly like I I was waiting for more stuff like that like as as far as the first 14 episodes go that's really the only time that happens. <laughs> More and more stuff like that is going to start happening. Yeah, but I, I just think in terms of pacing, I think it's extremely bold to have that happen early on in the series and then have, like, fucking, like, s- multiple episodes where that's never fucking addressed or talked about. Like, Tomino, you're, you are brave. Yeah. So, uh, so that this is one of the craziest scenes. This is one of my favorite scenes in Aeon because it's fucking ridiculous. But, um... 
Abedade is like, Carla, like, come back with me. And she's like, no, I, the, like, the Ide is here. This is what I want to do. And I, I, I know I want to help these people because I kind of am taking responsibility for this being partially my fault. And Abedade is like, then I got to fucking kill you. Like, I have to. And, and they, so, he, but Cheryl shows up and she's like, wait, what the fuck's going on here? And immediately she's like, oh, fucking Carla's over here fucking conspiring. So. And he's like about to, he straight up is just about to shoot Cheryl in her fucking head. And Carla steps in front, like if you're gonna shoot her, you gotta shoot me. Carla makes the worst mistake in the whole fucking series in a in a in what I have dubbed a tragedy of errors. That and could is, be the worst one. Abedade just can't do it. He just can't shoot Carla, and he's like, damn it, and like leaves because this is they're on the Bajin planet, and like all the, the big those big stingray aliens. Oh, yeah. And I think that was they were gonna lay like a trap with the Bajin, or I don't remember the exact details. It was this is a good episode. This was one of this was one of the good episodes. Yeah, no, it was really because like so like the those aliens. But but before we get to that, I need to get so at that point then like Carla like shows up to Cheryl and Cheryl's like I'm not gonna say thank you and they start slapping each other yeah, for like ten seconds, <laughs> ten looped seconds of animation, just two women without. Like nothing even escalate. I I had to watch it again to make sure that I didn't like black out. Like what? What? I I like that a lot because I was also very in character for both of them. Because it was Carla being like, "Listen, I'm trying to prove to you that I'm on your side." To the point where I was literally willing to sacrifice my life, and you still have to be shitty about it. Yeah, no, that that was. I just I, literally I think that threw was... away my entire culture, my entire civilization. Everybody I ever know, I, I ever knew, is either going to try to kill me, or I'm never going to see them again. And you can't even fucking like non-verbally thank me. Yeah, no, and I, I, I think that I think that was Cheryl just like breaking down. Like Cheryl, Cheryl was like, I I am going to take whatever even small misinterpretable thing I can off of you and and assume the worst out of it and Kerala pretty much re- responded in in kind with well then I'm well then what are you going to do when I don't have anything negative you can nitpick and Cheryl was just like I'm going to slap the shit out of you <laughs> <laughs> it's before that this is another good Cheryl moment because Cheryl is terrifying, <laughs> is, uh, it was right after, uh, the duel with GJ, because, um, he went on about all the honor, and then Cosmo perfectly had an, had the opportunity just to smush GJ with the Ide on, and he didn't. And Cheryl's yelling at Cosmo, like, why didn't you fucking do that? Like, why didn't you just fucking smear this idiot? And, um, Cosmo's like, no, he's a fucking samurai, like, you don't fight a, you don't fucking kill a samurai, like, that is dishonorable, and Bess is like, yeah, we gotta fight these guys honorably and humanely, and Kasha and Cheryl are like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah, honestly, like, that's the one time, that's the one time where I'm with Cheryl, just like, yeah, duh. but not, like, probably not for the same reasons Cheryl was thinking, I am more like, like, Dog, they're not samurai. They're full of shit. If they were in the exact same situation, you would be fucking mincemeat right now. They would have fucking yeah. You'd be you. smushed. Like I think Bess is legit the most samurai dude in the entire fucking show. So Kerala agrees. Yeah, because so this is an like the, once again the, the back half of these fourteen episodes, like the front eight are pretty weak. The back six are really good. Hell yeah. Like, once they get to the dinosaur planet, that is when the show starts really picking up in terms of pace and quality. Because it takes them, like, fucking five episodes to get off of Solo. 
Yeah, that was rough. It's rough. It's just the pacing is really kind of off in those episodes, and I wonder if there was production problems. Because I know that Tomino completely lied about what the show was about to, to toy companies to get their money. And then yeah. when the show came out, they started calling him pissed as hell, like, Tomino, what the fuck is this? This isn't about protecting your neighborhood and, the val- and, and traditional Japanese values. Yeah, I, I could definitely see them kind of flying off the seat of their pants. Like, m- maybe they didn't necessarily... Th- th- maybe they were still a little shaky on where they wanted to take things, so, like, they may- they might have had to pad shit out. I don't know. It, it could be anything. But, like, yeah. It could be. I know there's a random... There's a recap episode in the middle of the show for no reason, just because apparently Tomino went missing for a week and they couldn't find him. <laughs> That's... Wow. That's... Wow. He probably just, like, went somewhere to drink... <laughs> I love Tomina. So, uh, at this point, they are now la- they land on like the 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 kind of bombed out honeycomb planet. Harulu is now in full command, and Gijay is like, "Man, what do what do I do?" And she's like, "Go back to Logo Dow. I can't even look at you right now. You fucking suck. Get out of here. Go back to Solo. Like I can't even get out of here, Gijay." And she's like, I brought my own dudes. Uh, Guhaba and Doku are her, like, her two general guys. The blue and the gray guy. Yeah. And she's like, I, we will take out the solo ship. Uh, and so Carla is now getting more trusted aboard the, the solo ship. Bess is really vouching for her. Cosmo still doesn't like her because Co- Cosmo's a dick. Cosmo's a little asshole. And that, that's, because he, he's like, oh, you only like, you only like her because you want to get that sweet alien puss. And that's the thing when, when fucking, like, Bess just punches him. Yeah. Because it's like, and again, that's Cosmo the other thing. It's like, it. like, despite, like, Be- like Bess does legit, like, Bess does legitimately, like, trust her and believe in her and the, and the overall mission. But also, Bess can't fucking deny that he wants to. Yeah, Be- Bess, from, from the moment he saw Carla, he's been like. He's been very much like, oh, I gotta put on my nice guy cap, but not in, like, the douchebag fedora way. Right, no. Um, uh... Like, very old school, like, yes, ma'am, let me get the door for you. Like, very, he's very much like yeah, that. he's just a big, he's just a goober. Um, and, uh... Which really makes him endearing to me, which is why I think I like Bess so much. Yeah, he, he is quite possibly the only, like, Bess and Kerala are possibly the only endearing characters in this show, but also the bar is extremely low, so they're, they're not as endearing of a couple as, say, Coconut and Vanilla. Yeah. I, 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 you'll see more of Carla and Bess, and some of their best, some of the best Carla Bess stuff is in the movie. I want, Van- I want Vanilla to beat the shit out of Cosmo. <laughs> <laughs> Supreme Afro champion. And then shave off his Afro. <laughs> Please watch Votoms if you haven't. It. It's it's a great show. We have four whole episodes like, about You don't deserve this. There is there is nearly ten hours of footage of uh, ten hours of audio of us talking about Votoms. Please well, please listen to that and watch that show. It's a good. Uh, so Carla is like, I want to talk to Harulu. Maybe I can talk her down and I can get us to at least, her to at least stop trying to kill us. And Bess is like, let's do it. And everyone else is like, are you sure? What? She's just gonna, she's just gonna fucking go back to them. And Bess is like, shut up, guys. Let's le- legit trust Carla for five seconds. And I think like a lot of the bridge crew, like Hatari and Jolliver, who initially were like, I think, jo- I think Jolliver straight up almost shot Carla in the head at one point. 
Yeah. I... And was just like, no, let's, let's, like, she's, she's proved herself since then. I mean, like, she hasn't taken revenge on us for killing Maya. Yeah, it's, it, 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 Because it, Maya eventually tries to break out of prison and just gets murdered. Yeah, it, it is that thing, right, of, of just, like, Kerala, like, the, like, Kerala is up against such ridiculous odds, but, like, j just from the fact that, like, she, she couldn't betray them if she wanted to, so it's really hard for everyone who hates her to find evidence against her because it's like, yo, the, the, the buff clan has, the buff clan has arguably put more military effort into killing specifically her than anybody else on this fucking ship. And you're all just dunking on her constantly because you assume that she's a spy. Um, like in these two, like in these two episodes, um, they, they send a spy aboard. Um, the Buff Clan sends a spy aboard the uh, the solo ship to spread rumors that Carla is is fucking with shit. Yeah. And um, Carla during this time is she's like giving people food. She's like doing like hashtag womanly duties. She's playing with the children. She's trying her best to 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 make amends. And like she's she's try she's like she's trying very hard to be like the same kind of archetype that Fiona was of like the idealized Japanese woman of that time. Totally. Of like the the polite, well reserved woman who is incredibly loyal to her man. That's that's the that that's the very seven late seventies, early eighties idealized Japanese woman. God, that just reminds me of the fucking. That just say what you will about that. It just reminds me of the 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 interview the interview with the with the two dudes who make modern day Persona, and both of them were just they were asked about like the social links between between the, the female characters or the male protagonist, and they were both just like, I've never had any female friends. <laughs> fucking Hashino, dude. God. Fucking Hashino. And so, at this point, everything kind of culminates, and uh, Carla does talk to Harulu, and Harulu is just like Harulu's like, no, bitch, you get shamed, like soldier, rip off, show, expose her titty to everybody and laugh at her. This was. It, th I command you all to laugh, and everyone gets really uncomfortable. Like, all the buff clan dudes, like, turn around, like, I don't I don't want to be, like, associated with this. Yeah, and it it was honestly, like, it it would have been more... It felt like a, like, it felt very antiquated, like, in the way the buff clan usually is, because it's like, it, it, it wasn't like... I mean, it it was, like, psychological torture and abuse, but it was so blunt and awkward in this very, like, you know, there was no pretense. There was no context. It was literally just, like, ev like it, it was just a very blunt... Everyone start laughing at her, even though nothing funny is happening. Just the fact that we are laughing will be punishment for her because we, because we are, we are stand-ins for conservative Japanese, and that's how this works, I guess. Um, uh, like, this is how shame works. All you have to do is just, like, laugh at somebody, and they are shamed, regardless of context. Um, and Bess is immediately just like, I'm not... Because Bess has been, like, l lurking around, like, the uh, up in the hills, kind of watching everything from, like, binoculars. Bess goes fucking Rambo in, in fucking... Be Bess... In the best way. He gets a fucking... Uh, copyright safe lightsaber and a fucking gun and like runs down the mountain screaming like fucking Lancelot and Monty Python and the Holy Grail 
Yeah, you can even play the music. Yeah, I That's I wanted like as soon as I saw that I wanted to I wanted to edit that clip of just like just cut back to the buff clan like ten fucking times before he finally reaches them. It's so good. And so uh, Guhaba, who's been kind of the new bad guy of the month. I like him. Uh, he's he, like Harlow's like, oh, I guess we're gonna do this like samurai then. Like best you duel. Guhaba and Carl was like, don't, don't do that. Guhaba's like an ultimate duelist. He's like the ultimate duelist. Don't like you're gonna get your ass kicked. And Bass is like, nah. <laughs> and so they have they have a brief lightsaber fight before the Adeon shows up, and then eventually they're like, hey, you brought a robot. No fair. Yeah, and like this, like honestly, like one thing that surprised me, I didn't realize before it happened, was like. This show takes a while before it introduces specifically enemy mecha. For a while, it's yeah. just Edeon punching ships out of the fucking sky. I li- I like all the weird Big Zam looking mechs that the, the the Buff Clan have. They have like four people operate them, which is cool. They're, they all they're, they all look like Big Zams. They got weird claw hands. They're just they're they're like just shy of like Giger esque. They're almost like Giger by way of Toriyama. Yeah. Giger by way of Okawara. Yes. But just, like, I mean, there's, there's a lot of, like, it, they're all very smooth, like, they're, and they're, like, they're, there's almost, there's the notion of musculature to the way that they're shaped and how they're patterned. But it's, it, they're, it's vaguely the human form as opposed to directly being the human form yeah. like the Adeon. It's, it's even, they're, they're even more abstract than, like, a scope dog, um, where a scope yes. dog is basically, like, a torso with limbs, uh... Or a chest with limbs, even like uh, th- these are a lot more like like they they're, they're it's they're less they're less like a a bipedal like a bipedal human silhouette and more like what if a what if like a weird flying saucer had arms and legs? Yeah, they're they're very pulpy sci-fi, and I like yeah, that. Yeah, like the fucking like I I love their walkers. That just like sprint through the forest like a like fucking ostriches. Yeah, all the buff clan like ships and technology. The, that's some that's some awesome shit right there. It's it's cheesy in a way that's cool. Yeah. And at this point, Bess and Carl, I think I think they're dating now. I think you you don't do something like that for somebody and not start dating. They're de- like they, I think it's that it's that class it's that classical notion. I think of like they're going steady. <laughs> Because it's like, Car- Bess immediately is like, takes off his jacket, and like, he's like, he, he covers Carla and gets her back to the ship, and Carla's kind of like, I-, I can't believe you'd do this for me. Like, everybody else is such a fucking asshole. Yeah. <laughs> like, Carla just breaks down because everybody except if they for were Bess like, is such a fucking if asshole. If they were, like, in high school, that's exactly word for word what she would say. I can't believe you would do this for me. Everybody else is such an asshole. <laughs> and... And she's like, you're, you're like, you're, you are a samurai. He has all the ideal, uh, all the idealized qualities of a buff clan man, but he's not. And, and all the other buff clan men who pretend they do don't. That is on, and, and when, and when she said that, that immediately intrigued me so much because it's like, I am now wondering, like, I'm wondering this from like a thematic perspective, because initially I'm like, Oh, it's it's bad it's bad to aspire to what the buff clan aspires to because ultimately it just leads to shitheadedness and corruption. But at this point in the story so far, 
what we are now presented with is like, oh no, the ideal is feasible, the buff clan is just disingenuous, and I don't know if I fuck yes. with that. I don't know if I fuck with that. I think, like, I think if you try to be a noble samurai, you're just gonna turn into a fucking cop. Um... But I, I, like, I, I, I want to see how this carries through. I want to see Bess's arc as it carries through because I know this show is ultimately a tragedy, and so I just, I am, I am invested in what befalls Bess. Yes, um, from what I remember, that I, I need to watch this show again. But Bess still maintains being kind of the hero of the show throughout to the end. Mm-hmm. Where Bess's number one priority is to keep as many people alive as he can. Sure. And it's like, because I, and I, I don't want to say that, like, y- you can't, like, I don't think, I think it's more, it's espousing, like, the idea of the honorable warrior of being like, yes, you can do that, but it's that, like, it, beca- it comes down to you being a good person and whether or not that, that corrupts you. Yeah. Whether or not you, you are using that, whether or not then ambition and, lust for power, which is what all the buff clan are guilty of. I don't think Bess cares about any hierarchy or promotion. He just cares about making sure all the people on his ship don't die. Yeah. Which is, I think, saying more about Bess as a man versus, you know, someone like GJ. <laughs> totally. Also, there isn't there isn't super a lot he can do in terms of promotion anyway everything he's done up like we what we soon find out is everything they've gone through up to this point is like basically disregarded by the larger earth sphere yeah they've been this entire time they've been sending like long-range broadcasts to other colonies like help us there's aliens and everyone's like nice joke yeah, everyone's like what the f- like what shut shut up like uh this is uh, what kind of crank call is this this, this sir we, we've been in space for like 500 something years and there's no uh, there's no living aliens like and then they're we like we would have bumped into them by now we f- like we found like we no we found one though and they're real mad <laughs> They're real mad and Bess is banging one. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty real, bruh. So the the last episode, 14 here, we end up, um, we finally get to another human colony. Brazilier is what I think they call yeah, it. Yeah, Brazilier. It's like, Bra- With, it's like uh, Brazil, but more of it. More. It's even more Brazil. It's Brazilier than that. And this this is the episode where, where Cosmo acts the most like Amaro? Because the most Amuro shit happens to him. So the Ideon forms and or or they they, they turn into one of like the fighter form for one of the Ideon Ide machines. Yeah, and and like the 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 Buff Clan plan here is basically we're gonna we're gonna gang up on one of the ships and we're just gonna we're just gonna fucking lay into it until. It is beyond a shadow of a doubt. Da- like we're gonna check if it's out of commission, and then once we confirm that it's probably out of commission, we're gonna fucking hit it again just to be extra fucking sure that this goddamn thing can't move and shoot and kill us all. And it, it works. The the like, I actually really liked Cosmo's moment there. Of he's sitting in the in the cockpit. And he's like, because I don't think any of the ma- major pilots. Uh, like like Techno, Bento, or Moero were on board, but like he just had a kind of like a ton of red shirts with him. But still, he's like, "Hey guys, guys, you there? Guys?" Yeah, because because like um, they 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 get shot into the meteor, 
he... There's that really effective shot of the one guy in the gunner seat with his arm kind of just dangling. Yeah, he's dangling, and then there's another thing where everything's all smashed up, and there's a body just fucking floating there. And so he can't, like, no one's responding, but he also hasn't, like, technically confirmed what's going on. He just, like, the, it, what becomes scarier to him is, like, nothing, I mean, things obviously happen to him, but the thing that drives him further and further down is he gets less and less knowledge of what's even going on. Because first he's, like, he can't communicate with the rest of his crew, and he he probably presumes they're dead, but regardless, like, I okay, communications are shot, and then... He gets, like, they're shot into this, they're stuck in the meteor, and then the Buff Clan just keep, they, they fire another barrage of fucking laser beams at him un- until the meteor he is stuck in is now molten hot, and so... He, and he's sinking into he's it. He's sinking into lava, overheating, and then, and then he loses visual, and then he loses, and then, you know, he's in a fucking spaceship. He's in a fucking large spaceship. There's no fucking windows and so he's just he is now in a dark room with no way to contact anybody or do anything and he has to just sit and wait to either die or hope somebody comes to get him and then the whole time the buff clan is trying to like pull him out like the the ship is rattling around and he's like freaking out and screaming because like the ship is moving because the buff clan is trying to like pull him out of there to take him he doesn't even fucking know that. He doesn't know that much. He doesn't know any fucking thing. Uh, that's t- t- terrifying. Terrifying. One hundred percent horrifying. Even it's so at this point, Cosmo kind of resembles Amuro right after the, his first fight with Romarol. He is truly and utterly shell shocked by every definition of the term. Because he, he gets saved it, at the last minute by, like, the rest of the Edeon ships. Um, yeah. And then they, they make it to the base, which, honestly, like, that all happened so fast. Like, I was too busy reeling in that that by the time they got to the ship and and the, n- not d- diet Matilda-san, uh, when, she, <laughs> when she's like, oh, what's with that kid? He seems fucked up. I was like, oh, wait, did Cosmo get fucking rescued? And I had to fucking rewind to watch him get rescued because I missed it somehow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one thing we forgot to mention in the previous episode was, uh, we brought it up briefly, but, uh, Lata spent a lot of that episode trying to kill Carla. Uh, yeah, it was, it was one of those, it was, it was that anime moment of, like, fucking pull the trigger, do it, you think you're fucking hard, uh, and then Lata obviously can't, or she, I mean, she does, but she just, like, doesn't aim good enough on purpose, and then, like, it's, it is a really chilling moment. I do remember that, that's the, I think that's the one scene I, I remember from the, their failure of a compilation movie. And, and in the compilation movie, they change it to the, that Lata's the one who killed Maya. Oh, fuck. I think I do. I guess I do remember that, yeah. Because in, in, in the show, Maya just gets kind of gunned down by two red shirts. Yeah. Or brown coats, I guess. <laughs> they all have a lot of brown coats, except for Bess. He has a blue coat, because I guess he's in command. He's the best. He's the best around. <laughs> So they, they land it on uh, Brasilier, and it's it's kind of like a weird, like, kind of crescent moon-shaped asteroid with a ton of bubble cities in it. Yeah, and, and so, like... Which is a cool look. They're, they're desperately trying to explain their situation, and the military's being the fucking military about it, and just, like, basically telling them all to shut up. <laughs> like, we'll get you supplies and shit, but, like, aliens? What are you guys even talking about? 
and they're pointing at Carla. They're just like, dude, she's a fucking alien. They're like, uh, I, 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 if you say so. Um, and then before, like, because I was honestly wondering, like, what what are they gonna find when they examine Carla? But but the before we can get there, the Buff Clan attacks. Very briefly, we have a 0079 moment of Kamula, the 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 best of this place. Yeah. Uh, Kamula, she is all like, "Wow, Cosmo's fucked up." I'm gonna try to talk to this kid. Yeah, and that's and, and that's why I called her like Diet Matilda son because they have a because like Cosmo becomes immediately infatuated with her because he is desperately looking for any sort of healing thing in his life right now, and she's being very sweet to him. Probably because she knows... If you condense exa- all of Matilda's arc from uh, Matilda's entire plotline into, like, the back half of an episode. Yeah. Because, like, I think to her credit, you know, like, Bess probably doesn't like Cosmo enough to necessarily care that much, honestly, if I'm being real. <laughs> I mean, Cosmo hasn't given Bess a lot of reasons to like um, him. And, and nobody else nobody else probably understands the ramifications of what Cosmo went through. But I think she she's, like, a seasoned military woman and takes one look at this kid and is like because you know they she mentions like wait he's been piloting the mecca and it's just like yo that sucks <laughs> are you okay they just have kind of like a moment where she's kind of just trying to talk like she's talking to him like a teacher who like is like you seem to be having a rough time at home yeah yeah totally like ba- like she is very much like sits backward on the chair and is like let's rap yeah like Quattro tries and fails to do and throughout Zeta Gundam. God. <laughs> so, um, the Buff Clan attack, because of course they do. And all everyone, they're, yeah, because like, they're like, guys, you are not prepared for a Buff Clan attack. And they're like, listen, we have, we are up to standard for like, we can handle any kind of attack. Like we, sure, you guys are just a frontier colony, but if anything were to happen, if, like, we got, we're, we're loaded, and then they're like, you do not understand. <laughs> it's like, it's like that scene in The Terminator, where, like, the cops are all like, don't worry, don't, don't worry, Sarah Connor, we got your crazy boyfriend in the, in the prison, he can't hurt you, and we have, everyone here has a gun, no one's gonna hurt you, and then the Terminator comes in and kills everybody. Yeah. It's almost exactly like that. Porter's James Sh- Cameron saw Edeon. He hasn't. No. But it's it's just like that. But Kamula's death really is pretty fucked because she get she's like, okay, Cosmo, I'm gonna take you back to the solo ship so you'll be safer. And the, like, there's an explosion that knocks them out of their weird Tomino hover car because Tomino loves stupid looking cars. <laughs> and uh, she gets crushed underneath it, and Cosmo tries to pull her out, and that just kills her. And that is straight out of a scene from Barefoot Gen. Yeah, like it, it was, it was definitely one of those moments where it's like I I had to because like it, it is it was a television program they did not they de- they they absolutely did not show on screen Cosmo pulling her body out and it killing her visibly on screen for us but like we see him moving his body to clearly do that and then she like screams in agony and then. He freaks the fuck out because she's obviously dead. Because obviously he just detached her top half from her bottom half. Yeah, no, and it was that was fucking that it was it was chilling, it was chilling it regardless was. of actually seeing it. Like you definitely don't have to. 
if if so, I'm gonna suggest two videos to somebody. If you, if you want a clear moment, like if you want a cl- if you want three videos that I know are on YouTube because I've watched them today. <laughs> if if you uh, want a basic summary of the three hits of Edeon that we've talked about today, look up the video Edeon is ridiculous, which is this Cheryl and Carla slapping the shit out of each other. Look up the um, Edeon missile barrage, which is that the scene what's about to happen, and then Edeon's roar. Yeah. There's three videos, and then that's that's the show we're talking about. And if that interests you, like if you have if you have High Dive, which is how Twitch has been watching this, I've been watching it on Blu-rays. Edeon's a great show. Please watch it. If you are hesitant to watch it, watch episode fourteen. Yeah, you you, you don't you barely even need everything we've covered to like follow it. It's literally just like. Aliens, aliens and humans are at war with each other because war is stupid, and there's no good reason to have a war. And they're they're, they're more or less they're more or less fighting over whatever power. No, at this point in the series, they explicitly are fighting over control of whatever power Edeon can has because Harulu uh, doesn't believe that Edeon is the giant of Ede because again, if she admitted that to herself, that would be that would be mortal terror because she's fighting a god, but she is extremely invested in whatever power it does have. So basically it's two space space forces fighting a war over the power that this robot holds. And then you can pro- you can probably deadass just watch the episode right after I finish that sentence. Yeah, if you, if you've listened to this episode, you have more than enough information just to watch episode 14. Yeah. And if you and if that intrigues you, just just watch the show. It's great. It's it's a pretty great show. It starts the the big the this the front half is pretty the like I'd say oh, the front third of the show is pretty rough, but around episode eight it really recovers. Great job, Oliver. So the Edeon, so eventually Cosmo gets back into the Edeon, and Doku is like the the good music comes on, yeah. despite Sugiyama. It's it's, <laughs> um, I can't wait for him to be dead because if somebody is like problematic but their work is if somebody is incredibly hateful and problematic like he is how much money do you want to bet that like fucking like crunchy roll or the anime news network is gonna make like a fluff piece about his life and all his accomplishments when he dies and like say nothing of his worldview oh they, they'll totally do that because he's the composer for dragon quest <laughs> He he's like it's it's like if Nobuo Uematsu came out as a Holocaust denier, they'd still talk about his Final Fantasy compositions. Mm-hmm. I really hope Nobuo Uematsu is not is not a. I don't think he's a Holocaust denier. I hope he's not a Japanese war crime denier either, like Sugiyama is. <laughs> but I, I just think if Sugiyama's dead, then I can more easily enjoy his work because at least he's not hurting anybody anymore because he's fucking yeah, dead. No, nothing, his work can yeah, just be no, a little more isolated from himself. Yeah, nothing you do, like nothing you do. W- with or about his work will benefit him because he's in the ground. Yeah. And then I can just enjoy the the, the score to Edeon. Yeah, c- composed by Hatsune Miku. Compo- composed by Tomino. <laughs> Tomino, hit, Tomino just held Sugiyama's hand while <laughs> and composed it himself. So... The Edeon launches, and, like, Cosmo's madder than we've ever seen him. Like, the the animation in the back half of this episode is really good. Yeah. Like, when all the ships are going around and Cosmo's eyes are darting around, it's cool. Like, it's really well-directed. It's tense. And the Edeon kind of, like, 
clenches up and does kind of the gunbuster pose almost. A little bit. Which is what, and then just fires every missile it has simultaneously, and just blows away like a third of the buff clan's entire yeah, forces. Yeah, like the yeah he the buff clan literally goes like it just wiped out a third of our forces in one with one attack, and like context is so important because it's like I've obviously seen that missile attack. Like I've watched Super Robot Wars clips and I've seen like the pose with like figures and stuff, and like me knowing how much just the mecha genre in general loves firing a shit ton of missiles at once i was just like there's an entire franchise about it yeah i was just sort of like oh wow that's a cool attack but then when i watched this episode i was like oh cosmo was just so mad that his fucking brilliant tactician idea was i'm gonna fire every fucking missile all at once on purpose (laughs) i i don't even know if he did that consciously i think that was the e-day i think if he did, i think that was... I, I think if even if he didn't he probably I, I either way it still works he cried hard enough that the e-day reacted and just did that for him to the point where then like the episode pretty much cold ends like this where the Edeon is now standing like the buff clan have retreated and cause the Gideon like looks down Cosmo the in the Gideon looks down at like what's left of Kamula she's getting covered with a blanket and just starts sobbing as the Gideon fucking screams. The Gideon screams and it is, folks, it's just fucking Ava Unit One going berserk. Dead yeah, ass. That, this that's is where exactly that... what Ano was doing. That that's where Ano was invoking the Ida. <laughs> Hideaki Ultraman Ano. <laughs> Which is what I'm calling him, because <laughs> I know he wants I'm so me glad to. I, I I love Hideaki Anno so much. Ultra Anno, Ultra Anno, Ultra Anno, Ultra Anno. <laughs> so that's pretty much the our first Eda on episode. I think that's the most we can talk about. Want to talk about the ending? The ending because it's it's a, that that's a really good ending ending theme. It says Cosmo a lot, and that's funny because yeah. that's Cosmo's name. But I like that ending theme a lot. It's nice. It, it's a good. It's it's especially after episode fourteen. It's like oh, yeah. Endings are good. Like I don't always watch the ending. I always watch the opening, regardless of what show it is. Yeah. I don't care. You watch the opening. It's part of the ritual. The ending. I feel the ending is important in context. Like you know that scene. I'm gonna I'm gonna spoil Shadow of the Colossus. There's a scene in Shadow of the Colossus where you think your horse is dead. Mm-hmm. The character, the only other character in the game that you've been with this entire time, your horse, has just been killed. And so the game, for the next, like, 15 minutes, all it gives you is really easy basic platforming so that all you can do is think about your horse. Because it's like, it's, it's it, just to let that moment really set in, they get, all the challenges are minuscule. Like, there's, it's, it's shit you, you can do automatically without thinking at this point in the game. So just, and I feel like that's what an anime ending is very good at. Yeah, it gives you a nice ninety seconds with music to kind of be like, you de- oh shit. Yeah, it's it's either there, it's either there to like let you decompress, or depending on how the episode ended, it's like jarring to make you focus so hard on it because it's such like it's a, like my my mind always goes back to Inuyasha, 
I was gonna say Zeta Gundam. Uh, cause, uh, oh yeah, Zeta Gundam <laughs> oh, works too. You. But uh, fucking, uh, that's a, oh, that's, Lauren, a that's a bop though. I fucking love. It that is song. a bop, but after the last episode of Zeta, my god, that is a bop. You were not um, in the mood to hear. So like, so every episode, every episode of Inuyasha was a cl- is a is a cliffhanger. Normally with Inuyasha like impaled and bleeding out. Uh, like, the ending of every Inuyasha episode, Inuyasha is in mortal peril. Uh, and then it usually cuts immediately hard to, like, the softest, like, J-pop ballad ever. And it's just super romantic. And, like, there's, like, Ferris wheels and starry lit skies and cute fucking, like, just sweeping panoramic shots of, like, the of, like the, the feudal era and the modern era. And, like, Sashomaru's there looking pretty. And it's like, wow, I'd, it, it's like 2 a.m. and I have middle school tomorrow and this is fucking me up. <laughs> <laughs> it's, li- it's like that. Um, are you underwhelmed by the eye catch? Because I am. I like the Votom's eye catch so much, but this one's very underwhelming. I like it, but it also, it, again, it, it's like Gunbuster perfected it. Gunbuster. I like that. I like that it took them fourteen episodes to add Space Runaway to it. <laughs> did you mm-hmm. catch that? Yeah, I did. <laughs> they actually get later on in the show. They actually replace it with another one. Okay. Because uh, I guess Tomino did that in Zeta too. Because like, because once again, in the first half of the show, it's the Mark Two, and then in the second half, it's the the, the Zeta. But uh, my favorite eye catch of all time is from Victory Gundam, hmm. because it's different every time. Oh wow! Because it shows the. In Victory, it's it shows Haro sitting next to uh, the comic relief dog, and every time Haro is a little bit bigger. <laughs> so if I I, I want to take a when I when we do Victory eventually, I'm gonna take a screen cap of every time there's an eye catch because I want to make like a gif of like just Haro getting bigger. God, if that doesn't already exist, big Haro. But, uh, so what are your final thoughts on, uh, Ideon Part 1? Um, yeah, no, it's... I think... When I, when I first, you know, the, the, the... Again, like, we keep going back to the, the, the first third of it. While I was watching the first third of it, I was ready to... I was ready to recommend this to people on the grounds that, like, you're gonna have to, like, put up with some stuff to get to the good bits. And... I think I think that's still my ultimate takeaway, but it did the back half got a lot better than even I thought it was going to be that and I am I'm a weird person to ask about old cartoons because I love that shit. I don't care if it's got no fucking budget whatsoever. I'll fuck, fuck. Like there's some there is some jank in Edeon, more jank than even Gundam. Yeah, honestly, like I kept, I kept forgetting that this came after Gundam. I kept my brain kept wanting to think it came first. For whatever reason, I think that's also because though you have the idea of Gundam from the movies, which came after Edeon. True. Yes, I I think I where the second and third movie especially are mostly the third movie is like ninety percent new footage. That's fair. Yeah, and and, and also I I I, def, I I don't have that pace. Like in my mind, in my mind, Ramba Rawl is like an arc within an act of a movie, and then like in. In reality, he chased those ass. Rumberall chased those guys for seven fucking, episodes. He chased those assholes for all fucking two whole months in the goddamn desert. 
Yeah. Um. But but yeah, I I am interested in this show, and like, it's, like the the thirteen episodes are a hundred percent worth watching for episode fourteen, and now I'm now I'm fucking hooked. Yeah, episode fourteen is really when you start tasting what Edeon's really about. Yeah, you start really kind of getting into the meat of it. You've chewed through the bread. Now you finally got into the murder. <laughs> In this terrible metaphor for the worst, I was about to say. I was about to say you really gave up on that one immediately. (laughs) I I really did. I'm usually pretty good at metaphors. Um, it's a a death sandwich. It's a death sandwich. Um, yeah, I definitely recommend Edeon, especially if you're a fan of Evangelion. Like, I'm very into like creative lineage. Oh, same. Of being like. Of being like, like that's that's the like, Berserk was very heavily inspired by Devil Man. That's not why I read Devil Man, but you can totally see it. Yeah, and then and then uh the and then the stuff like that fascinates me. Yeah, and then the Dark Souls games were heavily inspired by Berserk. Yeah, P- please make Blame Souls or Blam Souls, please, please. I'm talking to everybody from software. I know you've read Blam. They've, I mean, like. I I Blame is already a Souls game. <laughs> I, I really think I mean th- these this is the same studio that fucking made uh I'm brain farting on their mech franchise that they never make any more of Armored, Armored Core. Core. Like they have to make a sci-fi Souls like fucking eventually. They have to make one like fucking now. Like, they already did like the dark fantasy Berserk one, and then they already did the feudal Japan one, and they're making another fantasy one with who are they making that with? Was it George, George R. 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 Martin? Wildly enough, I'm. They made the they made the the gothic horror one. Yeah, yeah, they made the gothic horror. The got the gothic Lovecraftian horror yeah, one. Yeah, like they're running out of options. I'm, it's me. It's they, me doing the gif of Reggie Fizeme pointing at his watch impatiently. Like, come on. Blam souls. Or, or they're really like mech souls. Like take armor. Take like your armored core stylistic aesthetics and like. Make everything big and fucked up and scary, and old. I want to fight. I want to fight a island-sized mech covered in like trees and shit. Yeah. So that's that's Edeon, everybody. Um. Uh, I'm. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna play the soundbite of the Edeon roaring. So, uh, for, uh, you can follow us at Metrospective at gmail.com. Well, you can email us at, at Metrospective at gmail.com. Metrospective at gmail.com and follow us at Metrospective. God, I'm fucking up everything tonight. We're Metrospective everywhere. The Twitter, Gmail. Um, that's, I think that's it. <laughs> uh, please, if you, uh, just a favor to us so we can get more people listening to our beautiful voices, to please, uh, rate us on iTunes. Even if you don't use iTunes, you can you just throw it away just because everything's metrics and statistics are taken from iTunes, regardless of what, unless you're on Spotify, you're like on one or the other or both, but if you're, 
uh, if you're uh, if you use Podbay or any of those other services, it all takes everything from iTunes. So just so that we can get more people listening to us, just read us five on iTunes. Make a burner, make a burner iTunes account, or dust off one that you already use, or that you don't that you use to use. That, it would mean a lot to us. Yeah, five five stars, uh, five stars, and a nice little thumbs up could get you get you a long heckin' way. You can even just type in "fuck you, Steve Jobs," or "fuck you, Jeff Bezos," or "fuck you, Elon Musk." If if you if you just want to use if you just want to like rate us five stars and then just use our platform as a means to just give the middle finger to every capitalist you know and hate, like honestly, thank you. Or you could just type in "damn you, Buff Clan." Damn you, Buff Clan. Damn you, Buff Clan. Um, but yeah, you you can find me me personally on on Twitter at uh out of tooch and uh you can find me and my beautiful non-binary wife jazz on our twitch channel which i'm trying to hype more because we recently did we used to be we, we used to have a different name and like aesthetic going on and we recently rebranded uh we are now uh we our twitch channel is now twitch.tv slash bumble queens uh Sick. Yeah, because we're wives, and we think bees we think bees are cute. That we just went that with aesthetically, because uh, it was funny enough uh, when we when I upgraded my microphone, uh, the microphones we got were like like bee themed, and like they it, the, the, the my microphone is like black and yellow striped, and and it came with like a nice, cool honeycomb box, uh, and we we're like, oh, this is cool. We should like brand around this. Fuck it. Um, and so, like, Jazz just recently finished playing through Kingdom Hearts 3 in anticipation for the the DLC that's about to for drop. That will have dropped by the, the time dulk. this episode comes out. Yes, this is coming out. We, the, the Symbionic Titan episode should be out already by the time you're listening to this. Um, we don't have a solid stream schedule right now, but we try to stream at least once a week. Uh, and then I'm gonna start dumping our streams onto a, onto a YouTube channel, just Bumble Queen's YouTube. Uh, so please check us out. Uh, Maybe we'll stream Mecha stuff sometimes. I would love to. Yeah, I would love to because we want to use it for more than just video games. Like I would like anytime I want to stream anything. Like I have I've done art sometimes or just whatever. But like yeah. And we we've considered we we're thinking maybe in in a couple months out we also could make a Discord server. Yeah, depending on depending on how our. If people ask us and say they want one, we can do it. Yeah. We'll we'll leave that. We'll make we'll 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 create it. We'll at we'll see if there's a demand for that at all. And then who knows? Maybe when we do shows, we could do like uh, everybody watches the first couple episodes together if they want to. We could do something like yeah, that. Or just like a, like a book club. Yeah, like a book club. Yeah, like a book, <laughs> but with a gun. With a gun. That'd be cool. Cosmo just walks in and says, "Hey, Bess, you know what would be cool?" What? If I shot, like, every member of the buff clan with, like, a gun? And Bess just goes, damn. That'd be cool. And Bess just punches him in the face. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can follow me at uh, Robohemian. That is R-O underscore B-O-H-E-M-I-A-N. Follow me for uh, pretty much mecha gifts and being mad at the government. <laughs> and loving David Lynch. Loving David Lynch. I gotta go watch that short. But for now, we cry at robots. Cry at robots. Space runaway! It's
傷をなめ合う」